Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Ground Up podcast. So I wanted to thank everyone that participated in the Black Friday to Cyber Monday sale. I really, really appreciate it. You know, as a lot of people say, spending your money in a small business goes towards, you know, the actual individual who is doing the work. And uh, as a one-man show, just myself, I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, that that honestly helps me pay rent, helps me feed the animals, helps me do all of that stuff, helps me feed myself. So, Honestly, it really goes a long way, and I really, really appreciate everyone's support during the sale. And uh, uh, of course, as always, there's still some more uh, substrates available and some more animals available, even some animals produced by the guy who will be on the podcast today. But we will get to that later because I want to talk about our sponsor, Focus Cubed. So please go check out their website. As you can see, if you're watching the video right now on YouTube, they have some incredible enclosures they have some really really design forward uh enclosures that are really unlike anything else that is available on the market i know i just saw in a green tree python group the other night someone had basically a bunch of cages but on top of it was uh, a bunch of focus cubed enclosures for their green tree and i believe it was white with gold lettering gold uh, focus cubed logo and it looked impeccable and looked amazing. So please go check out what they have going on. Really, really unique enclosures for some great prices. And uh, they do, you're not going to be waiting for months and months and months for your enclosure like you will as some other guys I won't mention. But uh, yeah, please go check them out and go support them because much like I said about myself before, it's just uh, Ashley and her husband. So it's just the two of them. So uh, all money that goes to them helps them out i'm sure just as much as it does me so please go support another small business during this holiday season and check out focus cubed and they can be reached at focuscubedhabitats.com facebook instagram all that good stuff of course so here we are another episode of from the ground up with a guest that i have had on before You may know him as a gecko breeder. You may know him as a colubrid keeper and breeder and complete enthusiast. You may know him as a Stone Cold Steve Austin super fan. Chris Painshop, welcome back to the podcast. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you been? Ah, living the dream. Uh, Couldn't be happier, man. So are are you getting ready for brumation down there in Texas? Yes. Uh, so my brumation started uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh, the process to get to brumation, of course, you know, it takes a few weeks, clear them out, last meals, you know, try and try and keep them slim on water. And, and, and I like to kind of get them down to room temperature. And then I stick them in a, I have a closet that stays pretty cool uh, and put them in there. But most of the snakes down uh, a couple corn snakes. I, I, I put another meal into them. Some of the females, uh, you know, put them down for your three months, and they're good to go. Nice, nice. So, 
that closet and you're in Corpus Christi, right? I mean, how cool can that possibly get? Uh, so that's, that's a good point. It is today. It was 81 degrees though. It will get cold tonight and it, we have a little cool front coming in. So we will get down into the, our highs in the sixties, uh, for the next couple of weeks, <clears throat> maybe even see a, a day with a high in the fifties. So that closet, I have all the vents and everything closed off in it and it's a walk-in closet. So it's well insulated. So what I've done in the past is I had a wine fridge that I blocked off a section of that closet. And uh, with some snakes, I actually just put them in the wine fridge. Uh, and I had that wine fridge set to 55 degrees. That worked absolutely great until, uh, I don't know, the weekend before November, uh, Thanksgiving. And I plugged in my wine fridge and it blew up. So <laughs> we had to take alternative routes to cooling. Uh, so we, we added some blankets and stuff for insulation in that closet. Uh, we shut off all the vents and, uh, we are opening the window at night into that room and then closing off the room. So that, it's like a spare bedroom. And so it's, and, and, and inherently it's a spare closet. Uh, so even if we had the heater on, there's no heat getting into that room or that's the, the plan. And then we're using the natural cool outside. Uh, I use Govi, uh, temperature and humidity monitors that are Bluetooth. Uh, I think I talked about, uh, thermometers and such. Last time, I'm, I'm a nerd about that stuff. I want to know temps everywhere. I want to know humidity. And so we're staying in the mid-60s right now. I know that as we uh, move more into the winter, it'll, it'll get into the low 60s, which for those animals is fine. Uh, my king snakes, I had some gray banded king snakes and the, the black eastern black king snakes, which I don't think they're going to make it into this uh, situation. Uh, they're probably going to have this, this year off. Um, they need to be colder. So you want to keep them in that kind of 50 to 55 range. They're going to a uh, good friend's house who has a cool box system with an AC unit uh, that actually has the entire room cooled as I was planning on doing this year. Uh, just, you know, last minute, right? Like you plug it in so, and then it just stops working and you're like, all right, well, what, uh, what is the, uh, what's the alternative route we have here? So that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have a network of people you can call on or just, uh, it's also kind of not being so strict about being the exact temperature that you want. Sometimes you can't always get exactly what you want, but it doesn't seem like you're that concerned about uh, the little higher temps or anything like that. No. And especially with the animals that I put down here, uh, that's all going to be Pantherophis stuff and Pitchophis stuff. Uh, I think more importantly with them is like the feed cycle and the life cycle. Uh and even also, I think water cycles get involved in that. If you look at areas, especially like Corpus Christi, where, you know, if I have, I have some Nueces County animals that I have uh, down in there, we're not getting a lot of rain. In fact, we haven't had rain in over a month. Uh, we did get a little bit, I believe. Anyways, very sparse rain. So we don't have a lot of fresh water uh, in, in our area. We have estuaries and stuff hooked up to Oso Bay. Um, so you've got to assume that these animals aren't finding fresh, clean water you know, in their water bowl filled up perfectly, scrubbed out clean every seven days. So uh, I, I like to I like to think of my cycle as, as, a, as a temperature is kind of what everybody thinks. But I think they think about temperature the most because it's the hardest parameter to meet. Uh, then I go for light, which is extremely important for uh, day, day and night cycles to be your day cycle to be shortened, which happens naturally with the window in the room. And then you can even cut that light out completely, uh, which which a lot of people do. Uh, and then our next thing we're going to look at is food. Obviously, you're not feeding them for three months or you know two and a half three months. 
Uh, whereas even though an Oasis County animal out in the wild right now could probably still find uh, a decent supply of rodents and stuff moving around, they're all predominantly rodent and bird feeders. Uh, and then that lastly, water. Uh, and if we, you know, try to maintain all those and keep an eye on the animals, you know, I, don't, I, I think the temp may actually, if you've checked off all four boxes to some extent, may uh, may fall wayside a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I know the classic um, thought was that say you leave them susceptible to disease or something like that. If you have their metabolism not at 85 degrees where it's optimal, say at least for my corn snakes, right? And then, yeah. or you don't have them at 55 where their metabolism is completely shut off almost. Yeah. In between there, you kind of leave them susceptible because maybe their uh, their immune system drops or something like that. Honestly, I've never kept it, you know, I have, but I mean, for the most part, most years I haven't kept it exactly 50 to 55 degrees or anything like that. I've always been okay with the swings and I've never had any issues. Uh, I just wanted to kind of clear that up for probably some people are like, what the hell I've heard this and that. And so, yeah. So if, if, uh, if a picture of a say, if a bull snake uh, reaches all the way down to the Southern tip of uh, South Padre Island, and they're they're native to this area. You know, we the Kingsville Reds come from here. Uh, Nueces County and Claiborne County. Uh, New, uh, Kingsville is on the border of those two uh, counties. If those animals also reach all the way up into Canada, and this is still the same species, we're, we're still conceptualizing this as the exact same animal all the way up. Why am I, you know, I'm brumating my Kankakee bull snakes from Illinois uh, at the exact same temperature and cycle? There, there's so much more involved in the lives and the minds of these, or not minds, but the, the instincts of these animals. These animals have been raised in my collection. They know my my habits. They know my maybe schedules or, or, or lack thereof of a schedule. Um, you know, so you, you can't, I, Corpus Christi doesn't mimic what's going on in like Canada and, and, and you know, way up into the north. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like negative 10 there now. And I'm pretty sure I've been wearing shorts, you know, they're all last month. Uh, so it's, I think, like, like I said, I don't think it's that perfect 55 degrees for exactly 120 days or whatever. So sorry, uh, 90 days. Uh, and you take them out and then you pull them out exactly on that day. And they have to have this meal, this meal, this meal, this meal. Uh, I think you have healthy animals and you're maintaining some level of, of cognitive brumation with them. I think you're doing good. Yeah, it's always interesting, right? I mean, I know that there's a lot of different micro habits, habitats and stuff in play. And I mean, especially when you're talking about colubrids, probably underground, which for the most oh, part yeah. is going to stay a pretty constant temperature, maybe a 55. But also, I mean, we're so stuck on what's the hot spot, what's the ambient, all of that stuff. And uh, outside just never seems to be 85 hot spot. 70 degree yeah. ambient i don't know you know like we put ourselves in these boxes but nature does not cooperate that way yeah it's you know we we you know the the you'll you'll never see a a, a a rat snake or a bull snake out at 110 degrees outside well that's bs i've, I've seen them right cruising across the road in the middle of the day in a neighborhood right and, and it's like you, you know you'll never see a corn snake below 55 degrees or something like that and that that's not true either it's you know uh nature nature is so much more complex than we decide to make it in our little boxes uh what we're trying to do is just you know simulate it somehow and within what uh 
within what parameters we're comfortable keeping. Yeah. And you, I guess you also got to think like when you see those animals out at unusual temperatures and stuff like that, like what yeah. are the, what are the pressures that are making them do that? Yeah. So like, did they just lose their habitat? Um, are they starving? Exactly. Are they sick? Like what is going on? Are, are they, are they looking for shelter? Are they looking for food? Uh, you know, and, and you got to assume that during the winter, that's just not what they're doing. They, they've got to have some scheduled cycle within their in, 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 in innateness. Uh, but, but yeah, so, you know, I, I, it's, it's one of those things. I know, I know people that breed a lot of the species that I'm working with right now without brumating. Uh, they just pair them up seasonally uh, or maybe they do it with food or, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of people do corn snakes year round uh, and, and don't have problems. So it's kind of a thought on that one. Yeah, I think once you go, you follow the parameters uh, for your first year or a couple of years, and then you kind of <laughs> you get an idea of kind of what works for you. Maybe for some, it's kind of like how far can I push this without negative ramifications? But you know, you only have certain areas of your house. You yeah. can live in Corpus Christi, Texas, or you can live in Philly. Like. Yeah you know, there's so many different variables and you kind of got to figure out what works for you and what works for your animals. And as long as it doesn't have any negative effects, then, uh, yeah, have fun with it. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and, and we also need to remember that we're not pressured to breed any of these things, right? Like we're not trying to be uh, full-time breeders. There are people out there that are doing that and they, they really need to probably figure out their parameters very specifically to their, their collections or their, their, their livelihoods really. Uh, you know, for, 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 for us, for, for the people that are, that are involved and deeply involved in this hobby. Uh, and, in that, you know, I do want to make some money off of selling animals. It's, it's part of it. Uh, but at the same time, like if, if, if my snakes completely don't breed, I, I'm not out of house and home. Uh, so I, do, I don't need to, I would rather just maintain a super healthy collection, keep my eyes on them. You know, uh, we, at the same time, in, in, in court, I know that that, that closet's never going to get over like 72 degrees or 70 degrees, really, uh, because we keep our AC at 70 here uh, because, you know, it's literally 100 degrees outside uh, <laughs> year round. So we just always have to have the AC on. Uh, so. So, yeah. So th there's there's a lot of that. I, I, I was religious, religious about unpairing my gargoyles, lychees, stuff like that. And even when I when I did other species of, uh, of New Caledonian geckos, I would always pair them apart as soon as we remove the pair or unpair them out uh in in december and january and put them back together in february i wanted to simulate everything getting cold you know my, my rooms get colder uh especially my, my reptile room um and this year i didn't do that i i unpaired them in august i kind of saw the way things were going you know uh my work my my, my job my real life job was was ramping up quite a bit and there was a lot of stressors and a lot of pressure coming on from, you know, obviously this lot of national problems and, and, and COVID being one of the major ones, ones of them. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be going to any shows. I knew I wasn't going to be vending any shows. So I just stopped and said, all right, unpair them now. So I unpaired everything and I actually just repaired everything up when I put my snakes down for brumation. So maybe that might be the cycle I do now while I'm, while I'm pairing up and keeping an eye on my adult geckos, uh, that is my time that my snakes are sleeping, you know, for the most part. And then now when my snakes come out of brumation and I start getting babies, once those babies hatch now, Hey, 
that sounds like a perfect time to un unpair these geckos. I'm not digging for eggs. I'm not keeping eyes on tails and toes. You know, I'm not having to, you know, make sure that leeches aren't literally ripping each other apart on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, but now I'm modulating my collection to work for me to get those little parts to click and connect. And uh, everybody, we're keeping, we're keeping reptiles in boxes, man. And I know you say that all the time. Yeah, it's, you, you, got, you got to simulate it within your own parameters uh, and, and make your, your quality of collection keeping first. Yeah, I think to your point, I don't think we expect to do a hundred percent pairings every time. Um, as far as when you're when you're doing that method of keeping, yeah. it's like maybe our efficiency or efficiency goes down ninety percent when maybe a full time breeder has like all the numbers, everything down, and they're at like ninety eight, ninety nine percent because they're really trying to go for it. I think uh, we're a little bit more loosey goosey with it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I have not fully invested my heart and soul and, and, and livelihood into like this pair has to make it right. Like th this is, you know, this is my $25,000 each morph ball pythons, you know, my, my piebald wiggle womp, Rocky road. <laughs> and if I don't get this one out of 64 chance, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have an only fans and feet pictures. You know what I'm saying? Man? <laughs> We're uh we got to do what we got to do, you know, pay that rent. so, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, maintaining, maintaining a collection. Uh, like you said, it's, it's, if, if it happens, it happens, if it doesn't, it does, it's great. So excited for it to happen. I think it will. I think based off of my prior track record, I think these, these, these uh, parameters will, will move forward and let this happen. And, and especially like with the gray bands, I know the gray band is need to get colder. I'm, I, you know, I would have literally had to immediately get another wine fridge and, and slam them in there. Uh, but but this is what's going to work this season, and, and and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, as part of me wants, part of me wants that like one just to imagine like what it would be to spend twenty thousand dollars on an animal and then have to pair it up and then look for the eggs and be like, most of my business depends on this. Like it seems yeah. completely exhilarating, but at the same time, like. Nah, I don't want to do it, but, but I want to know how it feels. <laughs> I just, I can, can I get like a patch for that and put it right here and I'll just be like, <laughs> this is what rolling the dice like that. I think it's, you know, people like us, we're, we're, we're close enough in generation where we saw the ball python boom get huge, right? And you were just blown away that these 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 big name people could be making this money and just so successful and uh, and doing this all. They They didn't. You know, these guys didn't get there by taking out a loan and buying $100,000 worth of two snakes. You know what I mean? The guys that really made it had these massive collections uh, that that really backed them uh, to to support that, right? Uh, I, I And then that's, you know, is it a gamble sometimes? Sure, I've taken gambles on animals. Uh, I work with a couple species that, that are, uh, you know, looking absolutely perfect that were extremely expensive and, and are looking great in my freezer right now. And that's just, that's just the way it happens. Sometimes uh, not, not every tomato was meant to make it to market. I think we've used that, uh, that term a few times. Yeah. And I, it seems like the nicest, uh, best combinations, whatever, those are always the ones that don't eat or that has a kink or something like that. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that would just, that would just murder me like if i actually had to depend on this and i think 
I don't know. Now I expect it, but yeah. every once in a while I'd be like, but you know, I get over it, but shit, I couldn't imagine actually having, like, I don't see it as like, Oh, my $500 bill just crumbled. You yeah. Know, like, I don't see it like that. So it's, yeah. it sucks from a different emotional standpoint than it would be if like, it's like, Oh, that animal died. So I can't pay. Yeah. Rent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely the, uh, the, the case, you know, I, this year I got really lucky. <clears throat> I hit like a one in, hit a very low odd percentage animal out of, out of a pairing that I had. And I was really excited to do it. And it's like the best one. It was the first one to eat. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. How dare, uh, you? Uh, how dare you? Uh, it was like the first one to eat. It's the nicest one. It, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, 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 and then it's like my normal that hatched out in one of my clutches that just randomly came out, which I still, still love that animal. I still want it to do good. I still want it to see like, that's the one that won't eat. And it's like, seriously, like you're the one <laughs> you you don't want to survive. You're like, you know, head for like 17 things and you're just like, <laughs> I'm giving up on this. Uh, but, but that, that happens. But yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm like you, I, I, I invest everything into something. And then, well, I, well, it did it happen with leeches, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of leeches. And then, uh, you know, they beat the ever living crap out of each other. I got, you know, Shrek, my boy, he's still missing toes, chunks out of his neck. And, and now he's, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to breed him again. Uh, it could happen. Uh, I'd have to find the right female. Uh, I, I keep thinking about it and I'll get a hold of some females and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to pair him back up with Shrek, man. He's, he's you know, that that without anthropomorphizing that gecko has kind of become like my buddy almost, right? Like he's, he's kind of, he's, he, he's uh, like my mascot, right? Like he, he's the animal you come over, you're going to hold him. Everybody loves him. Uh, and, and so anyways, yeah, seeing that happen and then be like, Oh, okay, well I got, you know, two eggs this season and then he waited three years to pair them up and, and then the next season, all right, I got six eggs. And then the next season, all right, here's a new female that was, you know, $2,200. And I'm going to pair them up because I bought an adult instead of buying a baby. And, oh, I got two eggs. And all right, I'm just going to, you know. So it's – I'm very glad I don't do this as a living because I'd be just stressed out all the time. Yeah, I don't know how you wouldn't. Uh, so I don't know if it's Marita or JD who's – who's watching right now, but Deli Tarantula Girl YouTube channel. Um, they said Bob Clark did a loan against his house to get the capital to start the Burmese craze. So I guess that's the albino that he, yeah, I yeah. believe at the time he, he paired up with uh, Tom <clears throat> Crutchfield on that. And really? yeah, I mean, that is just, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a very natural gambler. I'm actually very like conservative when it comes to that stuff. So that, kind of makes me want to itch and go crazy yeah. a little sca- so that was that that snake was like a hundred grand right or or or, or something. Was, was it more than that i don't know i don't know offhand so um that's I, i'm sure it was jd so jd if you know the the price of that first one yeah i don't know why 50k sounds right but it could be a hundred hundred k for a pair, or no? I think it may have been one visual, and then they—I don't fucking know. So, so we gotta assume. Hopefully, they knew at that point it was already recessive, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they were just no. They had no idea anything because this is like there's not many morphs. This is before like oh, man, this, this is like 1985, right? 
there's like there's corn snakes, or there's albino corn that. snakes, but who knows if albinism works the same in pythons as it does in snakes. So I think at this point, this is like ground level. We don't even know if something like this would be genetic. Are hey, you John, okay sorry. over there? Yeah, one second. Yeah. Yeah, so I couldn't imagine taking the chance on that money, also not knowing if it's something that would be genetic. I'm sure they had a good hunch that, you know, this thing is yellow and white. I'm sure it will be uh, – I'm I'm sure there's something going on here, but they probably hatched out the first ones and they were all brown, and I'm sure that that wasn't exactly exhilarating. And uh, so, I'm so, so sorry about that, guys. No, no, you're good. So he said he said that um, he believes that Bob took a loan to get the capital to borrow the albino, and Tom still owned it. So, oh, wow. so I, I guess the assumption is that he was like, hey, Tom, can I borrow this? Bring it to my females. I'll give it to you back. And he, he had to borrow that amount of money just to borrow it. So he had to borrow the oh, money wow. to borrow snake just to spread the seed to his girls. And then I guess yeah. uh, send them back. That is a gamble, man. That's <laughs> that's great. That's it. You know, if this hobby wouldn't be where it's at without that stuff, you know? It's yeah, just I couldn't even um yeah, it's all the it's all the things I guess we take for granted in knowing the uh the things in which these people took all the chances to learn. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, you, there has to be some some level of those people in the hobby that make make it make it happen and make make all of it uh possible. Maybe not completely possible, but definitely bring it more into the uh the limelight without the ball, ball python craze. Uh, this hobby would not be where it's at right now. Uh, oh, 100%. I mean, Absolutely. any money that was ever in this hobby, outside of the pet market, but in the <clears> like <throat> designer snake breeding hobby, it's attributed to ball pythons. And then all the equipment that we have as breeders is attributed to that. So I, I would go as far as saying anybody making, you know, $50 for a duck bill isopod or whatever they're called, that blows my mind. Uh, you know, they're very expensive little guys. I think you, I don't know if you have those, but that is all because of the ball Python prints, right? Like at some point it goes way back. And then somebody was like, Oh, we can do naturalistic stuff. So we'll use isopods. And then they're like, Oh, well, these are cute isopods. And then it, you know, all became part of it's, it's all, it's all connected at some point. Yeah. I love, uh, I love where we're at though, in the hobby, as far as um, I think that this is, like feasible for a lot of people i think you know we have people we have plenty of people who are like full-time youtubers just talking yeah. about snakes and i know a lot of people like to like to shit on pet tubers or something like that but like yeah i mean how amazing would it be to just talk about snakes on youtube and make a living at it and then you have you know all these full-time breeders to where you know probably 20 years ago maybe there was a small handful yeah you know maybe probably under 10 people that were doing it full-time yeah, I mean, it's crazy. With with modern equipment uh, and with the widespread capability of knowledge, right, uh, whether it be social media or, or access of Internet, we have brought in breeding animals to a, a person that just wants to give it a try's hands. Right, a young person can learn about Mendelian genetics with corn snakes, and and be completely confident in what they're doing, and have a textbook uh, way of doing this. <clears throat> Though that was possible 
maybe in the 80s and 90s. Now it's it's easily reachable with, I, I mean, stuff off of Amazon, right? Like you can just get online and uh, and, and and type up a few things and, and find everything you need and buy everything you need. And it shows up at your door along with the snakes, right? Like how amazing is that, that we're able to bring this to, to just anybody that wants to, and, and, and you know, people like you and, and like Justice and the Herbetical Network and the NPR guys, uh, just just putting the, the the word of hobby into people's ears that may have never even thought about it and, and maybe even just different aspects of it. It's so amazing. And I think that, I mean, it's obviously only going <clears throat> up from here, but I remember even in a very short period of time, I mean, Reptile Basics was probably one of the only place where I could get like breeding supplies, yeah. like <clears throat> like a probe, a rack, yeah. a hook, all this stuff. But yeah, you know, you can just go on Amazon. Now, now that that's a good thing in a way because you know I'd like to support <clears throat> people in the hobby doing it. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people who I'm sure they still do all right with that. But uh, we've gone from a very niche of a niche into an actual thing. And I think it's, I'm with you. I think this is only getting bigger. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we watched, uh, maybe if we akin this to like electronic gaming that became like actual gaming sports uh, to like celebrity hood, multimillionaires that are, that are like, you know, for, for lack of a better term, we would say they're not athletes, but through the training and through their actual focus, that they're every bit of an athlete. Uh, now you have people that are literally celebrities because they talk about snakes on a camera and it's like, what? Like, that's, that's where we're at. And, and, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, obviously there's been a big damper on this year uh, for, for socializing with people. And obviously we need to do everything we can to be safe uh, and continue to have other people be safe. But how many people have reached out and made friends and, and through, through uh, internet capabilities and social media and learned more and, and, and gotten more into hobbies like this and realized, wow, I, I can make these friends from across the world and, and learn about these animals from across the world, uh, just, just from my fingertips, from, from multimedia imaging device that you, you know, pay monthly for it. It's, it's crazy. It's wild. And I think as much as we like to complain about it, I think honestly, COVID-19 probably helped grow this industry. I know, and I know from my other hobbies, so say like, you know, I have plans and I play guitar. Um, guitar, the market went absolutely wild. Plants, the market went absolutely wild. Snakes, the market went absolutely wild. Because these are things that you're just doing at home. Yeah. Know, in your house. So people are trying to say like, oh, I'm stuck in my house. How do I make this somewhat more enjoyable? And uh, and I think it's growing the snake hobby. Although it is detracting from, say, shows and stuff, which is a big sure. part of the hobby. Which also probably brings, you know, quite a few people out of the hobby. So is it a net positive? I'm not 100% sure. Um, does it seem like it on my end? Yeah, probably. And there's more people watching YouTube. There's just more people getting into a bunch of different things. There are, you know, the guy at the show that only brings in imports and they've always got mites and they stink and they always have the dog behind the table that shits on itself. Oh, like, I do always have the dog. Oh, dude. And, and, and like six to eight kids pick. I don't know. You, you tell me, was it eight or was it six? Was it three? Was it three at one time or three and two play? I don't know hot dog mustard just all right here that guy is really upset about not having shows yes yes i'm not i'm upset about not having shows because i'm not getting to see people not getting out to you know 
visit friends. I'm not getting to peruse the tables, but, but the guy that was there to scam everybody with his, you know, $25 iguanas, he's real pissed right now, you know, <laughs> but he would never go the route of social media to post that stuff because he knows that he's going to get internet fact checkers, right? Like there's a lot of those. And, 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 and sometimes they're like gatekeepers, right? Uh, it's, it's like, if I post something, I know I'm going to get kind of poo-pooed on by the, uh, by the community. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if, if you're, if you can break through that wall, right. Then it doesn't, it, it's, it separates you from the crowd. Uh, uh, so, so you, you, you can beat the internet fact checkers by, by being knowledgeable yourself, which you're selling reptiles. You should have a pretty generalized idea of what you're doing. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at on shows. Am I excited to go back to shows, start vending shows again? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but I will do that at the, uh, at the safety of, of my friends, my family, my daughter, uh, my, my, my parents, uh, you know, that's whatever it is. I, I'm not going to risk anything. Yeah. And let's be honest, Texas, uh, reptile shows pretty much never stopped. So you probably could be vending shows if you wanted to. Oh yeah. Herps is great. Uh, Sean, Sean and Lori have been, been keeping it going. They, they have done a very good job of, of minimizing crowds, uh, proper table spacing, wearing masks. You know, there, there is, there is a safe way to do this. Uh, and, and, and I am just one of those not risk takers. Uh, but yeah, it, it, and, and it, I mean, we're not going to get too into like what Texas is like with, uh, with, with COVID, but, uh, I I'd say there's less people here that believe in it than do. So, you know, it, that is what it is. And, 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 and people will be people and people have their own opinions and, and I'm happy for them to have those. I, I do everything I can for people to keep their opinions, even if they're wrong. I uh, just, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't need to, uh, you know, go that route. <laughs> so, so I'm going to be real safe with it. It's a very Texas attitude, freedom, just do whatever you want. Just, uh, or, I'll stay home. Yeah. I'll do whatever. Yeah. It's Texas is a, is a, is a great state. It really is. I love this place. It's I miss it, man. I don't, uh, I used to deny the fact that I, that I did. I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm gone. It's like, yeah, I like that place. It's all right. It can stick it, around. It has a, an air to it that you remember, you, you know, you're there, right? You could, yeah. you can live in, in, in 18 different cities and kind of have the same atmosphere uh, that, that, the same guy standing on that corner in every city, right? That everyone has that exact same Irish pub. You've been to it 10 times, right? <laughs> but when, when you're, God, Texas just shoves itself down your mouth and you're just like, oh God, I'm in Texas. Here we are. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, you, you just, you know. And, and yeah, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll always love the state. I really do. Sometimes it's the revolver uh, on the person's belt when you're in the gas oh. station. Well, I'm going to get into it, but yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we wear guns like jewelry. It's what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I... And you guys obviously have a really big community and, and really, really great community. What do you do as far as shows down there typically? And when do you think you're going to go back to shows? Do you have any plan to do any? I, I, I try to stay booked at all of the Corpus, uh, Corpus Christi, uh, Herp shows. So, uh, Sean and Lori bring a show to actually what's in Robstown, Texas. It's just outside of Corpus Christi city limits. Um, because of the ball Python, bow is a Python's law. Uh, so, so they bring a show down in October and in February. So I vended it last year in February and I am signed up to vend it in February. Uh, but I 
And I was signed up and paid for it in October. Uh, and, and I am such a true believer in what they're doing uh, that I will pay for my table, even if I'm not there. Uh, and what I've done is, is people that I know that are going to be vending, especially people that are full-time uh, breeders, I, I'll be like, hey, look, extra table. Uh, you know, we were going to vend next to each other anyways, you, use my table. And, and I'm so happy to, to do that for those people. If, if I have to pay for a show <clears throat> for the next five years, even though I can't vend it and I can loan that table out to somebody, but it still supports people that are out there fighting the good fight for this hobby, uh, I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, you know, this year, online sales were crazy. I, I, I sold, I think, everything out uh, almost every time I posted something. Uh, it, it, it was it was sold. Uh, I think I have like a corn snake that didn't sell, but somebody had given me a deposit and then just never paid for it and then isn't responding to that. You know, that always happens. Like the one person that's like, here's $25 for that $50 snake. And you're like, you know, you know what? Just take it. Just take it. <laughs> we're done here. Just You can just have it. And, and they never get back with you. So I think I've got a couple situations like that. You uh, take deposits still? Come on, uh, man. So <laughs> yes and no. That, that's not what happened. This is where I'm being a little facetious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've taken deposits. If we want to be like real honest about like payments on animals and like deposits on animals, I prefer not to do it. But in, with some of the, 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 the guards that have been hitting that kind of like $1,800 to $1,200 range, uh, yeah. Some people are like, can I make you payments? Usually if somebody gives you a chunk of money for something like that up front, they're serious about it. Um, and, and I'd prefer somebody to give me a couple payments uh, and then me ship the gecko out to them instead of them just like racking a credit card on PayPal and sending me all the money at once. Don't drive yourself into financial instability and pay interest on on like a gecko, right? Like if we got to do a couple. Yeah, we've all done it. We've all done yeah. it. But oh, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, for sure. <laughs> Uh, I mean, this all got started somewhere. <laughs> hey, but when you pay that credit card off, it feels great. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, we, I, I don't typically take deposits under 300 bucks. So I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like in that case, right, at $1,800 gecko, I mean, yeah, that's completely reasonable. Yeah, so I just don't sell anything that's uh, that's that expensive. Wah, wah, yeah. wah. See, with, with the, it's like there's there's like a price bracket on geckos i'm just like specifically just geckos there's like all the ones that are 50 to 150 bucks and they're actually all like 75 right like you you'll, you'll end up like if you work it out you, you'll make 75 bucks for each one of those, so whatever then there's like the next bracket that's like the 400 to 600 range those can be almost the most difficult to sell sometimes because they're not like the upper echelon and higher quality. Yeah. But those are some of the best breeders because usually to get to that middle ground animal, you have to have the genetics because, because they're, you know, they're polygenic, but they're, they're, they're bringing something from the mother and the father. Uh, So if you have one of these animals that kind of falls in that middle ground, uh, it's still going to be an amazing breeder because it's going to bring the genetics from from somewhere. It got that good looking somehow, right? Uh, so I, I've I've produced some of the prettiest geckos I've ever hatched from literally like like a doo doo gecko. <laughs> I mean, even the most basic of these animals is amazing to to a like a very high end, and then maybe three out of four of those babies uh, just didn't come out that amazing, uh, and then and then. Boom, one comes out, it's just crazy. Cause you know, the, 
these things have to progressively get better somehow, right? That's the only way line breeding happens. You don't take the best looking animal and breed it to the next best looking animal and then and then keep back the ugliest one, right? Like there was a best one out of that clutch or maybe out of that season with geckos, I always look at it as seasons. So so your, your selective breeding happens somewhere, somewhere in that line. Uh, and maybe you keep like your middle one and then your best one and then you take that back and, and eventually you have like a, a sample size and you know, these are, these are the best ones. And I think that's, that's the beauty of breeding your own stuff. Those are all the best ones. Oh, so, yeah, that, that's your keep rack. Yeah, and then this, this, little, this little guy over here is a keeper. And there's, I think there's a, I got a couple, I only have a few babies left and some of them are, some of them are holdbacks. Some of them just look weird, right? And you're just like, ah, I want to see this guy in a year. Yeah. So stuff like that. Yeah, I think that that is something that's a little bit underestimated. I think a lot of times people think that you need to buy the best looking animal, breed it to the best looking animal, which is nice. That's really nice. Yeah. But like I can breed something in which I've gotten the same thing year after year. But that one year I'll hatch out something that is just outrageously nicer than anything else I ever hatched, like just random. And yeah. it's that's the beauty of breeding your own stuff. Eventually you're going to get lucky and you're going to have the nicest looking of a certain thing. Even if I bred two normal snows together, eventually I'm going to get one that looks a little bit different, a little bit better to your you know to your standards or stuff like that and uh yeah that's uh you don't always have to have the best thing to the best thing although it's preferred and you have a much nice. chance of getting it <laughs> yeah but but you could definitely if you go mid-range and stuff like that and uh if you're into corn snakes luckily you know you can spend 400 bucks and get the nicest thing so uh, yeah yeah i, I think I think with corn snakes, there's two. Well, before I say this, I'll say we're we're the kind of guys that breed for ourselves first, right? Like we we are we would not be doing this hobby just to make money, right? Because it's it's not going to happen. Or if like I had to just sell all my animals, that I don't yeah. get to keep anything back or work towards anything. No, yeah, exactly. You you you're you're doing this because you want to see you got het palmettos, not because you wanted to make money on palmettos, which though you do, right? You got het palmettos because you want to produce these beautiful little white confetti snakes, right? And then and then continue to do that, and, and then even make hets and stuff. You 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 wanted that in your collection, and that's that's and that that's great talk on, on corn snakes that people need to understand. If if you you can buy the visual of the animal that you really want. You can, you, you know, there, there's a couple combinations that I really want to produce and I really want to work with. Uh, you could buy the, you could buy that animal or you could buy the soup components to make that delicious caldo, right? And, 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 and try and cook it yourself and maybe try and buy the best examples of all the things around it. Uh, and, and then, and then, and so, that's, that's kind of the neat thing with corn snakes. One of the one reasons I loved corn snakes when I was young, and that's why I love, love corn snakes. Now I always work with corn snakes. Uh, I I can I can I can pick the things I want and mix and match them. And even if I make heads, uh, you know, I, I have a pairing this year. Uh, I have that female blood red pie that I actually sent you pictures of, and she's going to a charcoal tessera male. Uh, now I'm not completely sure on the heads that either one of these have. But I know that if I take the tessera charcoal and mix it with blood red, potentially hide side, which is you know just a offset of diffused, and I'm pretty sure this female is also masked because of the the patterning on her head. 
if I mix those in maybe three or four years, I can start pairing stuff back together. And I, and I believe it's a, it's a tessera pewter. Uh, and I've seen tessera pewter pied sides that are like, boom, right. And, and so could I go buy that and spend, you know, that four or $500, maybe $300 or something. Sure. But I could also just do it here. Right. Right. And enjoy that process. Be the, be the mad scientist that kind of tries to put all that together. Yeah. And I, I like having, certain animals that i have a couple fuck it clutches i feel like every year yeah where it's like i don't have matching hats for my lava terrazzo fuck it let's put a coral ghost tessera stripe to it let's make a six head animal and let's uh you know let's keep a couple back and see what the hell happens yeah uh, that's what i love about kind of recessives and just the weirdness that comes with corn snakes uh, I, I inherited a little bit of a collection uh, from somebody and, and I kind of piecemealed it out. I was just helping somebody move some animals. They, they had, they had a little bit of a hard time. And there was, there was a male and female uh, like Okati, you know, Okati lineage or, or whatever we want to think of that Okati kind of coloration as uh Tesseros, pair of them. Uh, it was kind of cool because none of these animals were sexed. So it was kind of like, well, they really don't know what any of this stuff is. And, and I was like, wow, this, so this is an adult pair, of, you know, four years old. The female's like pretty good size of Tessera's. And I was like, let's, let's, let's pair them up. Let's see what's, let's see what's going on here. Who knows? Who knows? Right. And, then and there's keep, always something. There's going to be something in there probably. Yeah, most likely. Keep the best looking male and the best looking female. You pair the male back to mom and the female back to dad. And, and you, you know, I, you know, it's like it might be the first Tessera scaleless palmetto sunshine, you know, cocoa latte. Who knows, right? So, yeah, it, it's it's kind of it's neat to play those games. It's also, I'll take a few steps back and say it's also our responsibility as sellers of these animals, as curators of these collections to be completely transparent about these things when we sell them, right? I am selling this animal with unknown heads or I'm selling this animal with this, this, I'm selling this animal with true known Okati lineage or Miami lineage. And, you know, so I think that's one of the kind of crafty, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, more hands-on aspects that are, that are now happening in today's market, right? Like I'm not wholesaling out any of my animals to go off to some random dude's table and, you know, I, every single one of these is, you know, female number two from clutch number two from pairing this male to this female. Uh, and, and these are the heads and, or it's, you know, unknown heads, like whatever that, that pairing produces, there'll be some kind of unknown heads. Even if I find out that let's say they're all head female or I'm sorry, they're head anal and they produce a 25% AML. That doesn't mean they're not het for other things, right? Let's say they were, one was het for anery and one was het for, uh, diffuse, right? Though neither one of those traits will show up on any of the animals. So uh, that's the fun of Mendelian genetics and the fact that it's all recessive. I mean, how boring would a bunch of just like codom stuff be, right? We, we got to put in six years to really figure this stuff out. Yeah. And then you get possible hats, regardless of what you're pairing, you're yeah. going to get possible hats. And there's always going to be a little bit of a gamble, a little bit of a surprise in there. And I think that it's actually pretty rare in corn snakes to list hats. Yeah. So I try, I try my best to do so, which is unusual. But I think um, 
it doesn't add value to the animals. So I think that's why people no. need the extra, at least in core snakes. It doesn't like ball python stuff like that. But yeah. But I mean, I, it's great just to let people know what they can do because they're going to get another animal or they have a collection of other animals. So then they can get a little bit creative on, on what they want to match up because they know that they have matching hats or even possible hats. They're like, you know, let's see. Let's see if we can prove it. That. Yeah. If, if somebody, if, if I was talking to, you know, a little 12 year old me and, 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 you know, I was telling myself how, how sharp looking young man I was and how respectable I was to elders. Uh, I would say, Hey, you know what, little Chris, you, you should just go buy 10 of the coolest corn snakes you can find. It's just cool stuff, man. Yo, yo, that one's yellow. Cool. That one's got a stripe deal. Let's, and then, and then buy some that just kind of look just odd. Maybe we buy, you know, a dark colored one and, and not, but figure it out over the three years that you have the three to four years, you can go four years uh, over the period of those snakes lives, figure out what they are, figure out what they can produce, uh, you know, hone in your, your, your captive keeping on these animals. And man, by the time you hit that third or fourth year, you are so ready to rock and roll. It's not even, you, you're, you're so pumped and prepared. Hey, it might be like me. Uh, you know, I, I had snakes die. Uh, first time breeding, I, I had, you know, I've had oh, my, my, my San Diego gophers, you know, raised them up. Females four years old, male was three years old, paired them up. Nothing, nothing happened. They didn't even sniff each other. They were just pissed. You know, so you're reprobing them, making sure they're good. And, you know, hey, all right, and, you know, put them back into brumation this year. Let's see what we got. Uh, it, it's you. You can have so much fun with a small collection uh, and it's starting with babies and learning. I mean, you sell a lot of multi-head animals. Awesome. Start with those animals where you know all five heads, you know, uh, the, the lava terrazzo, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, like you're saying, it has all these possibilities. Well, cool. Now this male can go to this and, and, and man, you know, I, I'd, uh, I, I'd even, even go to say always buy a male for every female, even if you're planning on pairing a male to, you know, three or four females have extra males, have extra ideas. You might not look like what you did the year before. Let's see what you got the next year. You know, it, it, it's such a fun little micro hobby within a hobby, you know, you can kind of do yeah. it. It's, it's unique to most of the others. I think, uh, I think geckos are kind of fun in that way in which uh, most of your breeders are hobbyists who are really just having fun. And I think yeah. the the animals the the prices kind of reflect a price point in which most people, especially you know younger people, can get into it and have some fun with it. And I feel like corn snakes are kind of the same way, where it's like, yeah, yeah buy a few and have some fun with it. And I think that that really keeps a light air in the hobby in comparison to some, some of these markets where people are, you know, slitting each other's throats and at each other all the time. Yeah. That, that can happen elsewhere. Yeah. But, um, but I feel like the general, the, the mass population of individuals in say corn snakes or crested geckos are like light and having fun with it. Yeah. And, and that's also looking at the uh, belief or the idea that you want to breed Right. Like so many people, I'd say like 98% of the people that, that get a reptile never breed. Right. Which is great. You, you don't have to. I have animals that I'll probably never breed. Uh, I, 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 I would have geckos and snakes and stuff around me if I wasn't breeding. Uh, it is just another facet to the hobby that I truly enjoy. Uh, and, you know, we, we've, we've talked a lot about 
morphs and stuff like that really a lot of my passion lies in wild type and locale specific you know uh pantherophis pitchophis and it's kind of which is kind of funny but there's there's so many little niches within such a subsected hobby uh that that it that is broad and funnels itself down to okay so maybe we have like our generalized keepers and then that funnels down into our our kind of core keepers that maybe have like a curated collection right we may what we might say is you know an expansive collection whether it's multiple species or just multiple of the same species and then then you start funneling those guys down into the breeders but you can also start having drawing these lines back like you're saying crusty geckos and, and leopard geckos and now you have a, a little, little tim he wants to breed his corn snakes and that's great and he produces one clutch a year and he loves them and he names every single one of them and you know, he takes them to the pet store and they sell them for him or, or he sells them on Craigslist and it takes them all year to sell them or, you know, that, that's, that's great. That's great. It's so, what a cool thing we have going on. <laughs> uh, but all we, all we do is mostly bitch about it. Oh, that, I, don't get me wrong. <laughs> all, all, all I'm gonna do. Uh, when we are done here, I mean, I am getting on Facebook and my fingers will be on fire. Just, uh, complaining of i mean you know it's it, it's special it's so it's so funny it, you know it's it, it's it we we see this in so many other things you know so many other hobbies the thing that actually brings us together uh is is probably the thing that will separate us right like the, these reptiles bring us together and maybe we have different political views or we, we have different thoughts about uh emissions or you know whatever or what type of car you know ford sucks and we love chevy or whatever i don't know you know hell yeah brother hell yeah brother and uh, so, but the thing that will eventually divide somebody that was brought together by this hobby will be this hobby, right? Like you've got, what did you say about palmettos? <laughs> that's, that's my favorite morph. No, man, charcoals are the best. You know, <laughs> all right, let's go outside. And find, you know, that, that, like that's, that's the thing, you know. Human nature will always divide us kind of regardless of, yeah. of what happens. So I think I left the dog outside. So I'm going to go get her. I'm going to get another beer. I'm going to pee. But I want to set you up on something that you can talk, you know, for a good two minutes about. So can you talk a little bit about, let's see here. Can you talk a little bit about some of your projects coming up? Some of the things that you're brewmating now and that you're going to be pairing in the spring as far as snakes go? Absolutely. Right on. <laughs> so, uh, so this year... Uh, we have a few projects going on. Um, we're focusing uh, from the start on a handful of corn snakes. Last year we did a uh, AML female uh, who had some kind of a red factor going on paired to an ultra male, ultra male, motley tessera male. We have some, probably the most exceptional clutch I could have thought of. Uh, that that clutch ended up being lots of high red animals, some beautiful ultra males, beautiful amels. Uh, we're planning on repairing them. Uh, we also did an annery, het motley, het amel, to the same ultra male, ultra male motley tessera, and 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 really had a great gamut of neat morphs. So we'll be doing that again. Uh, there's a couple of other. Uh, ghost animals that have been added to the project that are going to be going to a charcoal male to make heads. Uh, tessera ghost uh, het amel uh, to a tessera charcoal. And then we're doing the charcoal to blood red. So those are the corn snakes. Uh, and I probably missed some genetics in there and I probably missed some pairings in there. Uh, but 
not off the top of my head. Then we're going to go staying in Pantherophis. We have South Texas beauties, some of the most amazing snakes uh, I've ever seen. So those are my Nueces County wild-caught uh, Texas rat snakes, uh, Pantherophis obsolutus linhamari. They're gorgeous. They're yellow, black, and colorful, and red scales. Uh, they're mean as absolute hell. Uh, they were wild-caught on Farm Road 666 when they were uh, actually yearlings. So they're my FM 666. Oh, that's pretty sweet, actually. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were, they were wild caught on FM 666 the same night, male and female, about a mile apart from each other. That's Nueces County, uh, Texas rats. I call them South Texas beauties because they're just gorgeous. Uh, Texas rats, for the most part, are not extremely good looking snakes. Uh, these are drop dead gorgeous. Uh, so, yeah, we're pairing those up. Um, then we'll jump into Pitchiocus. I'm sorry. I can't I can't get past that. I mean, like. There's going to be, I mean, right? They're Texas rats. They're evil. They're terribly hard to fucking to deal with. You know, they're yeah. very defensive. But there's going to be so many people that get a boner just for it being six six six. Yeah, I love it's FM6, it. Farm Road six six six, right through Blunt's Texas, just on the northwest side of uh, Nueces County. Yeah. So someone buy these so I don't have to. <laughs> I no no no. I don't think I plan on selling any of them. I'm going to give them all away. I have a whole list of people. So, Joe, you're just on the list now. You're getting a pair. If it happens, if it happens I'm going to knock on wood. Like, hey, who knows? What are they, like 75 shipped? I, <laughs> just, you're talking about some of the most beautiful animals on the planet? Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what a just non-het wild type f1 texas rat sells for literally like 40 bucks right like maybe 70 yeah 75 shipped you're right well whatever the shipping cost you're gonna get these mean little snakes uh you know they're they are a passion project of mine uh the male is every bit of six foot uh they not only are they mad but they can throw their poop and texas rats have a very specific smelling poop and it is delightful. In fact, if you go to Snakes and Stogies episode, I'm not sure, but the one of the ones I was on, I actually got one out and it started biting me. And then the poop got in the bites and there was just blood everywhere. And it was, it was prime time. <laughs> yeah. JD was asking if you can, if you can show one. And uh, I don't know if you've had enough beers for that. No, they're they're in brumation. Uh, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna. And I, no, I, I've all, I'm only a beer and a half in, so the answer would be no, regardless. Uh, I could. I might have a joke. Can you share? Can I send you a picture? Um. Do you have a link? You want to just share it in the chat here, or no? I don't. Um, I don't do the on your Instagram. Uh. Yeah. Let's look at it on your Instagram, so I can screen share it. Uh, oh my god, maybe not. I'm just any any of my loyal followers, anybody that's looking out there to sponsor me, you know, Govi hit me up. Uh, any beer sponsors, uh, you know, out here representing Stone Cold Steve Austin with Broken Skull IPA, hit me up. Oh, yeah, oh, money is oh, oh, yeah. Um, I don't think I have a picture of these guys on Instagram. I'm gonna go ahead and apologize ahead of time. I'm terrible with the social media. And as much as I, I love uh, posting pictures and stuff, I, I don't. I'm a literal human piece of trash. Uh, so let, let, let me knock out my pitchy office real quick. 
Uh, look, I was holding an anaconda. You can you can email it to me, by the way, and I can okay. I can do it. Yeah, we can do it. Um, so uh, my pitch office, I'll start with my San Diego Gophers. So I have a Dyer's albino uh, male that's also striped who's going to a double hat female. Uh, both of those were from uh, Glenn Reptiles, uh, Glenn Brooks uh, line. Uh, I did not purchase them directly from him, but uh, a buddy of mine had, and I kind of took them over when they were yearlings or so. Uh, so looking really for, I love San Diego Gophers and Ectons. If anybody out there is looking to get into Pitchofus, they are uh, probably one of the most relaxed that stay in a small package. Uh, so if you're if you're a little concerned about space, because some of the Pitchofus do get larger, uh, they're probably adult uh, corn snake length, large corn snake length. Let's go four and a half foot. Uh, they're a little girthier though. They're they're probably of all of the length to width Pitchofus the the kind of tankiest, uh, but they're usually really calm which most pitchofus become calm. Uh, they're usually just smaller. They're a little fussy. Uh, and then we have two different kinds of bull snakes uh, that went down this year. So that's going to be Nueces County, uh, which is like Kingsville reds, but I'm not calling them Kingsville reds because one, they're not very red. They're, these are uh, F ones and uh, they're, they, they're hints of pink and, and you know, tangerines and stuff. Uh, very beautiful snakes. Um, and they're big. So the adults to mine are about 10 years old and they're, just about seven and a half foot. Uh, so my female is a little bit over six foot and she's three years old. Uh, so it's a big animal, man. It's a big stink. It's a big thing. I think I got them out on the last podcast. I swear every month they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's not, I don't hold some kind of weird feeding schedule where I feed them more. Or I feed them bigger prey items. Uh, they, they eat along the same, they eat the same amount and on the same schedule as my black pine snakes, my black pine snakes are almost the same age. And this is uh, one of my, this is my female black pine. So this is just about a three-year-old. That thing is jet black, even the belly. Oh yeah. I got like the, I got like the the blackest one. But here, check this out. You see right here. Some chin action. Yeah. She has a little white spot on her chin. Yeah. Yeah. But she's like the blackest one. Uh, It has all the iridophores and the shininess. Uh, I spent quite a while looking for an animal that was going to look like that shine. Yeah, she's great. And she's super chill, Uh, but she's just about a three-year-old animal. They're very slow growing. Uh, You find them a lot of times just chilling on kind of the cool side uh, of the the enclosure. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that's gotten one of these to breeding size in, you know, two years or something like that. But this animal who's about a four foot or so, you know, decent would be good, good size for, you know, maybe a corn snake. Uh, she is on the same feeding regimen as my bull snakes and usually eats the same prey item size as my bull snakes. And for some reason, my Nueces County, the, the Nueces County animals are just monsters. My Kankakees are on about the same feeding schedule. You know, you feed all, you feed like those at the same time. Uh, and uh, they're, they're about a foot and a half shorter than the Nueces County animals. You know, they just, they just hold, hold the weight, hold the girth a little differently. Uh, so it's kind of a, kind of a neat thing about that locality. So then also uh, down in, down in the brumation I have right now, uh, my Kankakee bulls. Um, so I have, Wait, can I just, I just need to get it clear. Like just put a pair of babies from that pair in the six, six, six rats. When you send them to me, if you don't mind. Of the, which ones the, 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 the yes, I can't hear you. I'm sorry. You cut out the, the, the black pines. 
Oh, the yeah. Uh, mm, mm, I don't know. For free, for free. Maybe, maybe that can work that way. Laws. I don't know. Are you a cop? Who's well, listening? So, so remember, I had to get my uh, my interstate commerce license, which is a yearly license to be able to ship these. Uh, so, so maybe you know, in the future, because I can't buy a Louisiana pine snake. But I can be given a Louisiana pine snake. I, I, I cannot buy one. Yes. But I can get an interstate commerce license to have one shipped to me. As long yes. as I have proof that it was not purchased. But I mean, come on. And, and yeah, black black pines are really cool. I think we can figure something out here. I mean, yeah, who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll get <laughs> you they're, never know. They're, they're a ways out. I, I've heard, I, you know, there's a lot of speculation on the way these larger colubrids work. Um I I have heard that the black pines, the southern pines, uh, the North Mexican pines, and the Ruth Veni are usually a four-year snake and can even be a five-year snake. Uh, so I don't. I think you even you had to go four years on yours. Yeah, and it was. It has nothing to do with size. I think a lot of people are like, "Well, mine's as big as yours. Mine's bigger than yours." Or no, no man. Like I'm like, go for it. Do it. And then, yeah, they don't pair until four years, at least yeah. in my experience. Yeah. And then also people who have asked me that, the feedback has been, oh, yeah, like that extra year mattered. Like they bred the animals the next year. When I, they I, I, yeah, I absolutely don't think it's a size thing. I, I think it's a sexual maturity thing. Uh, there, there is something there's something within these animals as they go. And hopefully that means that these are longer living animals. And, and I don't pitch you eat a lot. They have high metabolisms. I'm one of those people that's like, let's feed them like more small meals. But even then, I, I don't think these animals need to constantly be fed, 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 fed. Oh, it's moving around. It's hungry, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I've also become so big in the camp of, of lower temperatures. I, I, I grew a, I grew a bull snake from a little, one of these things to over six foot long and this big around. And I mean, healthy, thick, girthy female, at a hot spot of 80 to 81 degrees, 82 wow. degrees max with a cool side of, you know, 76, 77, uh, on, on a, on a normal feeding schedule. I mean, I, I'm not even every seven days, maybe every 10 days or, you know, trick them up. Don't feed them for two weeks, then give them four mice. Right. Like it's not, they're not just, they don't crawl out of their burrows on Tuesday with their, <laughs> you know, bowl of water. Uh, and and have a perfectly frozen thawed medium rat there. Uh, feed them some chicks. Feed them some you know uh, tilapia. I've heard is great. I haven't tried tilapia yet. Uh, feed them feed them four or five you know pinks right rat pinks or something. Feed them a feed them a large rat. Mix them up. You know you the the these things health is in your hands. Would you like to eat you know a, a cheeseburger every Tuesday for the rest of your life? Sure, you could actually probably live off of that one cheeseburger every Tuesday as long as you have clean water. Uh, you'd probably not be the healthiest, but if it has the caloric intake to fulfill your 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 caloric outtake for the week, I don't know. Also, I am not a doctor, so anybody thinking about doing that, <laughs> I, am, I, am, I, I do math for a living, so whatever. Whatever I just said, completely null and void, because I kind of just thought about it. I was like, yo, y'all probably need to eat, right? (laughs) I think there's two things that I want to dissect there, at least get to the bottom of, is that um, 
many small meals make sense as far as the natural behavior of Pituophis in which they're going to mm-hmm. be in burrows. And in particular, what they're going to do is they're going to raid a burrow. They may eat the parent, but they're also going to eat all the babies or they're going to just eat all the inhabitants no matter yeah. what. So I think that exactly. it makes a hell of a lot of sense that you're going to eat a bunch of small meals, especially when say the habitat that you're in, the largest thing is going to be a pocket gopher, which maybe you're looking at something that's a small rat or a large mouse. And then you're going to yeah. eat these little pinkies. It's like, yeah, it makes sense. Small meals more often, but also it's the, the, the cooler temps is what I want to get to as far as these animals are spending the majority of their time in a burrow. And we brewmate because burrows are at 55 degrees all the time. Yeah. Well, maybe in the summer it's a little bit warmer, but how warm is it really? Yeah, yeah, they're probably coming out. Maybe they bask and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe it makes sense to have them a little bit cooler. I do 85 hotspot. That's always worked. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there, there's – there's a few different camps of what, what people think as far as Pitchophis. Uh, I also, Pitchophis is much like Pantherophis, and there's a large gamut of animals. Uh, and range. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the way I keep my Bogertrophis, uh, which is going to be like my Subox, my Rosalie, uh, Transpagos rat snakes, and Baja rat snakes, is different. Then I keep my most of my pantherophis uh, from even close to similar areas. But how I keep my Baja rats is very similar to how I keep my Cape Baja gophers, my Pitchophis vertebralis. So those animals are both kind of similar. The the thing that makes uh, to lay a little different, a little more difficult uh, doesn't luckily happen with the vertebralis. Uh, which is which is some ingestion issues. They they eat very small meals. Uh, they're very prone to regurgitation. And once they regurgitate, it's kind of like an emerald tree boa. Once it's happened, you're you you. If it happens consistently, let's say you have two to three regurg- regurges out of a baja rat. Sorry, anybody's ever wanted to know anything about baja rats? Now now I've had them for a couple of years. Uh, We're gonna get there. We're yeah. Yeah. We're we gotta go. We gotta go deep into those. Okay. So so they're they're once it happens with their. Nobody talks about these snakes and you wonder, okay, this is kind of a, a, a snake that's, that's not really remarkable looking, but once you actually have it in your hands, it's kind of like an olive python or a lot of the liasses, you're like, whoa, this is great. And, and, and you're like, okay, th- this doesn't seem like a very difficult animal. Let's give it a little bit more ventilation, a hotter hot spot and a colder cool spot, which is kind of a weird thing to kind of think about. But I like to get their cool spot to about 72 to 74 and I like to get their hotspot a lot closer to 85, 86. Uh, tons of ventilation. Like if I could keep them in a mesh cage, I would. Right? I don't know if that reptibreeds. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I I give them water once a week, but a shallow water dish, and I hope that it dries out in about two days because I want to keep my humidity as low as possible. And my room naturally has higher humidity. So you would think, oh, well, at least they have perfect sheds and stuff like that. No, there's another thing that happens with the Baja rats. They're, they're really bad shedders. I don't know what it is. Maybe they just have small scales or something. So you, I always have a humid hide in with those things. And I like to put the humid hide under another hide, uh, which works really well. Um, but I let it dry out after they've shed. And that ends up being like their preferred hide. And I usually try to keep it in the middle. Is that a consistent in the enclosure or nighttime? 
uh, Mike, no, I, I'm not doing any uh, any nighttime dips on them other than natural nighttime dips. So I, I you know, keeping a Govi in here, I usually see maybe an ambient during the day of like right now it's 75. Uh, this is just ambient air temperature. Uh, during the day, that'll get up to 70 maybe. At night right now during this time of the year, I might get to like 68, 69. Uh, and then during the middle of summer, you know, plus or minus five degrees, but yeah, there'll be natural nighttime dips uh, because I keep the vents off in this room. So the only way this room is being cool now that it's not like this room is like hermetically sealed or something like that. Like I keep the door open, right? So it still has airflow and stuff, uh, but I keep the vents off. So my AC comes on, it doesn't cool this room too much. My heater comes on, it doesn't heat this room too much, uh, but it will naturally stay insulated uh, just because of where it's at. Um, so the way I, I give this, the, the, the Bajas a, a bigger, temperature gradient is through the ventilation right they're not in a they're not in the same kind of tubs uh they're not in the in the thick tubs um very 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 dry substrate if it gets wet i, I i've already you know you can see a decline in those animals quickly um, now granted i have not even gotten close to breeding these animals and i've gotten exceptionally good at killing them uh <laughs> they they have a thing and I don't know much about it. And I hope that one day I can learn more about it because I only know of two people that work with these animals. Uh, and I've talked to both of them as much as they'll give me information on once these animals start regurgitating, they, if it happens a couple times, they'll never keep another meal down again. And that's it. And it, it, it eventually just wears them out. And they die. Uh, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. I, on my last I, I lost one this year. Uh, in fact, let me be completely honest. I've only lost one, right? So it's not like I've gotten good at killing one. It just it just hurts to kill the. I has to be also like. Let's keep in mind, like only this is a U.S. native. If it was easy mm -hmm. to keep, there would be thousands out there, and there would be hundreds of yeah. people breeding them. This yeah. is a difficult animal to keep, a difficult animal to breed. Just yeah. every every which way about it is unique and difficult. I, I don't think they're native to the United States, though. Uh, oh, sorry, my bad. I was thinking they're in the Baja Peninsula. Yeah, uh, is that they, Mexico or is that Baja yeah. California? Uh, they may actually go all the way up into Baja California. You know, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, so mine you need to do research, uh, right? Yeah, no, my 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 pair is a. I have a Bay of Conception, which is in a, which is in the Mexican part, the north eastern part of the Mexican Peninsula. And then my other pair was a uh, Big Sur, which is, I believe, a little bit more south, uh, the southwest region of the Baja Peninsula uh, in, in Mexico. So, so yeah, there, there's 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 stuff going on, and 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 there there you have to be very careful with them. You, I don't feed them very often. I feed mine like every two weeks. Uh, very small meals. Um, that not the right thing to share. God damn it! Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh, it wasn't, it wasn't like anything personal or anything. I love the name of the group chat because I'm in it, and I, and people are gonna be like, "Joe, what does that mean?" Yeah, it's a it's a sexting group that all of my the majority of my snake friends are in. Makes sense. Um, this is Baja California. Yeah. it says it says well, Baja California is Mexico, but there is um, Baja rat snakes are technically in California from one specimen that was found dead on the road in Imperial County, 2.4 miles east of Mountain Springs. 
So there you go. Uh, are they in California? Probably not. It seems as though you know maybe historically, but yeah, it, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of them there. They're probably just hard to find. They're they're a very. I mean, as you can imagine, one specimen in 1984. That's all they've got. <laughs> this is a good year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that uh, I'm, I'm looking at that picture of that Texas rat too because I want to show it to you. Um, that that yeah. So so there. It's it's so. Oh, anyway, I, 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 we like deep dived on this. The the reason I was saying is that that even though we'll have animals from even similar areas, so my San Diego gophers are going to be native uh, to that similar area right and my 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 vertebralis pitchophus vertebralis is native to a similar area um you're you're not not every single thing fits in the same niche not everything gets kept the same way whereas i think you could keep a a, a san diego go for the exact same parameters as you keep a corn snake uh you can do the same thing you something that's going to be from right in the same area might might not fit that same niche so that that's one of the things we can kind of you know i forget exactly how we got there but yeah uh you know there, there, there's there's so many crazy things that happen with these animals it doesn't matter how much you feed it it it, it it's going to do its thing and then this is as i remember we we're talking about the root veni uh it's not going to breed till four years old look you might breed them at three years old hell you might breed them at two Right. I'm sure some guy fed one, you know, rat pups every day for a year and it's seven foot long and you got it. Like I've seen that 10 foot long or whatever, nine foot long gray rat snake. Right. I'm sure that thing could pump out 58 eggs. Uh, but yeah, it's there. Our, our husbandry will never simulate the wild. Right. But we can try to mimic it. And, and maybe we can try to do that through feeding patterns or feeding habits uh, or, or to some extent husbandry. Um, I, I actually, I've done a, a decent bit of field herping and I know for a fact that like the local rat snakes, when I find them out in the wild are not in plastic tubs. Right. So there's, there's a big, big difference there, uh, in, in the way of what I'm keeping them and the way that they are, uh, you know, so there, there's, 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 there's a lot, there's a lot more to it. And, and when people, you know, if it's a four-year snake, that means it's sexually mature around four years. I know a lot of the the kind of really interesting, more intricate pythons are like six, nine, ten years. Uh, there's there, there's there's some of the some really neat animals out there, and it doesn't matter what you do to get them a size. Sure, you can get them a size through feeding response, through through your own personal uh, vendetta against that animal's health, uh, but that doesn't mean that that's the correct way to breed it, or 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 it's it's, it's or it's going to breed. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Austin probably feels your pain as far as he's been growing up popwin pythons for like six years or so. He's like, yeah, I think I'll wait until year seven. I think that was that right. One. Yeah, it's like it's, also those those are like those are like taking all of python a retake a small a small a retake a lychee with all the bullshit that you gotta deal with lychees and then also like a california king snake just taking all three of those animals <laughs> that's very putting true. them all together and it's like all right so let's see what happens you know that that pairing those animals up or pairing up animals like that you you gotta be uh you gotta be very confident that they're gonna like each other yeah or, or be prepared have have a fallout plan right like be ready to jump in and, and that's you know, when, when I paired up lychees, the first time I paired up uh, my lychees, I remember like sitting in the room and like waiting, right? Like these, they're, they're going to start barking and they're, they're going to notice each other, right? Like they're, 
they're they're not extremely intelligent animals, but they are. They have some cognitive sense of what's going on in their enclosure. You can you, know, you feed them and stuff like. So yeah, it's it's you know there there's some trepidation there. These are animals that I can grab and just pull apart, and those uh, those are like not animals you can grab and pull apart, right? Like that's yeah, pretty uh, pretty nerve wracking, exactly. Uh, <laughs> of uh, uh, the level of intimidation just in the act of pairing them uh, is is great, but also the the level of appreciation people in this hobby should have for people that are doing stuff like that uh, is it should be very great. Those, those are the people that that we're going to owe this to. Uh, once he has, you know, that that handful of, of baby poplin pythons, and and you know, if, if that ever happens, and, and God willing, it will. Uh, you know, it's that is where we need to be appreciative too, because it's the people that put in that hard work, that dedication, that time uh, for so many different species of the people out there that are putting in to, to breed the bolans, and the people that are out there trying to figure out the. I think I, I think I sent you an article about the 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 gentleman breeding the the flying lizards, uh, and it's like. Whoa! These 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 people put in this time to figure out these animals that would never exist in this hobby, and and and, and it, without this, these few people, they'll never exist again, right? It, it once the borders are closed, you know, with 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 bah rat snakes, there are no wild caught ones, right? Like they don't exist, and, and so that's that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to work with them because because how many people do you read about that breed bah rat snakes, right? Like it's it's not a, it's not a thing. And so let's, let's change that. Let's, let's, and then let's find out why it's like this. Yeah. And there's always reasons for that, right? There's always <laughs> kind of smoke where there's fire, but, but they can be figured out. And it's just like condors. Remember condors are one of the most beautiful, blatantly outright beautiful animals. And, and nobody had them figured out. I'm sorry. That's probably not completely true, but very few had them figured out. Uh, but now they're, they're kind of, you know the the chondro nerds out there have it perfect, and 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 look at people that are big into that species will literally sit there and say, no, these, these things are easy to breed. And it's like, whoa, man, twenty years ago when when I was you know doing doing my best to breed day geckos and stuff like that, I remember being like the elusive chondro. Right? Nobody right. can do this. Well, well, maybe maybe through a little bit better husbandry, uh, maybe through a little bit better uh, time, let's be a little bit more patient about this. We'll, we'll get a little bit more confident with these animals. Uh, there, there, there's. That's one of the species I want to. I want to work with doing that, and 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 it will require some level of investment and some and, and some massive amount of time. Uh, but the same thing with, with green rat snakes, uh, the stenocolis. There's you know there's there's tricks and boundaries to them as well. Also, they're they're not really possible to get wild caught specimens of them anymore either. I believe where they're native, uh, they're not legal to collect. Uh, yeah, especially, yeah, that's a very protected area. But yeah. I think that, I mean, if people are listening and you're thinking that you have to go to West Papua and find a Bolins python to yeah. get a rare project that no one can breed, look at Western Green Rat Snakes, Senecolis Triaspis. Look at the Baja Rat Snakes. These are snakes that, I mean, they've been bred, but you're looking at – maybe one clutch a year and it's only because casey lazic has focused on the the western green rats this year is why it happened and he bred shinglebacks you know he's bred so many things yeah i mean he's amazing at it but it's those things are still completely up in the air and they're and they're things that are in 
this vicinity in this area. We've we've established Bajas are from the U.S., so I should stop using. <laughs> but, uh, but but yeah, still, it's not completely foreign. No, it's it. You know, you can even get down into micro habitats of animals. Let's look at the the Kentucky Eastern Black Kings, right? Uh, these are animals that rarely are seen in the hobby. That are beautiful. That 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 you can't you can't wild collect in Kentucky anymore. Uh, and, and, and I don't know. If, again, let me subjugate what I just said in the fact that I don't think you can. Uh, I, I think that's the rule. Um, and and it's like some you know furthering that love of those animals is, is big. And, and you did you did a great job of that. Uh, I forget the gentleman's name from MK Colubrids that that did it before you. Uh, with, with the Mike, he's actually in the chat right oh now. mike sorry mike i didn't know your last name i'm so sorry about that uh but but it's but it's people like you guys that have that furthered that uh the louisiana pine snakes uh right now uh texas indigos have been removed from the uh actually i believe when we recorded the last podcast was the day it happened march 29th this year texas indigos and uh coleonyx reticulatus were removed from the protected list in texas you can now collect them in the wild and you can actually breed them and you can ship them out. You cannot sell them. Uh, it's specifically, it is by letter of law against the law to sell them. And that's what they want. They said, you, you can't collect and sell these animals, but you can't collect them and breed them. You can ship them out and, and get people working with them. Uh, so it's animals like the Coleonis reticulatus uh, that's just not even known in this hobby that's here that that who knows how, it, how, how it's, uh, you know, it's, you have a species of Coleonix that shares a, a native habitat with another species of coleonyx. So you have the coleonyx brevis, uh, which is which is the Texas banded gecko. You have the coleonyx reticulatus, which is the uh, reticulated gecko. The, the, the I was about to say the banded gecko again. Sorry, the the reticulated gecko. And that's it. That third picture over on the top is just one of the coolest looking animals. And these guys fall in the eublafer. All coleonyx fall in the eublaferid family. Uh, so they have eyelids. They're they're similar to a leopard gecko. These are North American leopard geckos, uh, and and the, like it for sure. Yeah, and so the reticulatus are pretty big. Uh, one second, Joe. Oh, look. <laughs> yeah, you want to say good night? Look, this is Joe. Daddy's talking to somebody. Say good night. We're talking about we're talking about geckos and snakes. Okay, you like geckos and snakes? He had a bunch of babies. Do you have a favorite snake or gecko? Oh, he asked, do you have a favorite snake or a gecko? Who's your favorite snake? Max. You like Mac? Mac is my ultra male, motley, tessera male. And that. fire. And fire. That's the, that's the, the red, uh, that reverse Okatee uh, female. The, and the, that whole clutch of babies, she like named all of them. Those she gets to name all the snakes. You say good night? Good night. Good night. Bye. Say bye. 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 <laughs> Why a big Give me a kiss. Yeah, he's a big boy. Go. <laughs> Chris Sorry, Page Shop. Proven breeder, everyone. Proven breeder. Proven. Of yeah, you know, she'll be a, she'll be ready to sell. She's eating good. She's eating good. She's putting a lot of, a lot of size on her. Trying to get out of here in about 14 years. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Is there a waiting uh, list? Oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> 
anyways, that's my little, little, uh, man, I'm, I'm going to take a little break and say I'm so lucky to have this little girl that's just the love of my life, and she loves the snakes and the geckos and stuff. I, I don't know. I didn't try to push it on her or tell her that she needed to be in here with me and stuff, but she names them, and she loves them, and she holds the snakes and the geckos, and it works. <laughs> Very lucky. Yeah, uh, that's, that's the cool thing about, like, having this kind of a hobby, right, is that you can kind of pass it on, and it's something that's not too unreasonable as far as, like, yeah, I mean, like every kid, you know, at three years old, if you know your animals and stuff like that, you can hand them an animal and they're going to yeah. they're gonna have a lot of fun with it and you're going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's like that. There's that corn snake in your collection that's going to like make or break somebody's mind on something like this. Uh, right. And you know that like you see it in their eyes and, and you pass it into their hands and there's this there's this connection. It's like like one of these Disney movies where it's like, ooh, boom. And like it happened and you're just like, there it was there it was that's like uh you know we're gonna get back on those coleonis reticulatus you know we're not getting off you affairs that easy joe you're not gonna skirt by me uh but there's there's this there's this connection i have i love i love finding people that are interested in animals and like give like you're not get past the sales part right like like somebody is like, oh man, I really want to work with, you know, one, 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 a pitch office or really, and I'm like, oh man, well, great. Hopefully I have a clutch of bull snakes. I'd love, I'd love to just give you one, right? Like I'd love to find your home for this animal and get to track where it goes. You know, I've had people reach out and, or, or people tell me, oh, you know, I've always wanted a gargoyle, but and I'm like, all right, well, here, look, I have a perfect one for you. And this, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to send it to you. Let, let's do this. Let's get you pumped up about this hobby. And, and, and you know, it's like black price snakes. I think from the first time we've ever talked about anything, you talked to me about the black pine snakes. I can't wait if I produce them, excuse me, to send some to you, right? Just, just a little care package of these things. And just, just because I know that your passion is there just like my passion, right? Like we, we both have that same uh, drive that we're so excited for the next thing. Uh, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's growing our collections. Sometimes it's also thinning out our collections I think people look at that too negatively, like, oh, why is why is Joe selling some animals? And, and it's like, well, you know, I'm sure you have grow outs that are getting ready. To, you also have a big move that's getting ready to happen. You you have, yeah. you know, the, you know, they're, they're not all snuzzy lumpkins, and you don't boot them all in their snoots every night. <laughs> they're all. That's they're what all. You think. I, I actually <laughs> boop every one of them on their snoots before I go, go to each one. There's you know, eat, uh, to some of us the passion in this is the science experiment, right? Like the, 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 the derivative factors that we're trying to keep these animals, the breeding the different morphs and looking at the genetics. Uh, the, did somebody say we look the same? Oh goodness. <laughs> Carly just said two of my favorite bearded men. <laughs> we're pretty much brothers at this point. Brother. Brother's got a. Oh yeah, brother. Uh, so, so yeah, so there, there's, there's, there's a genetic little scientist experiment, you know, kind of mixing and matching things in the genetics. There's the trying to find wild populations and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I work with a lot of F1 or wild caught stuff and I, and I do have wild caught stuff and I, and I understand, uh, the, the things that are indicative to, to having wild caught animals. Uh, I, I understand the responsibility when I first off bring them into my collection, even post quarantine, there are things that you can miss. And also the ramifications of taking something out of the wild. Uh, there, there is a very, very low feeling if you if you lose an animal that's wild caught because maybe maybe you've taken something out of the wild that would have made it and been fine, uh, and, and that does happen. Uh, 
I hope to think that with that, I'm paying it forward in the hobby, like with my South Texas beauties. You know what I mean? I, I can't wait for other people to have animals that hate them as much as these animals hate me. It's, it's going to be great. It is great that we're able to connect with enough people to find the person who's going to be okay with that because we right. wouldn't be able to cast a wide enough net if we just had to go to our local reptile show. It would take a lot longer. You'd have to be like, yeah, it bites. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> people are like not okay with that at all. No, and, and they're not. If there was ever an animal that was not going to be good in a display enclosure, it's them, right? Like right. you walk – they see you, they're striking at you. It, it doesn't matter. Mouth's open. They're, they're doing the thing They're You know, they got the little tongue coming out and their tails rattling. And, uh, they're, they're, I'm, I'm going to keep talking about these. And I love them. I love them. They're, they're, there's, there's something special. Uh, the, the, I'm going to find this picture real quick. I sent Phil a picture of it. I know I did. Phil, get, get on the podcast right now. Do it real, real quick. Uh, JD and Mike want to know what you do for a living. Uh, so I am by trade an engineer. Uh, I, I, I have degrees in math, physics, and engineering. And uh, now at this point in my career, um, I am a project manager for a company I've been doing engineering for for about 15 years. Uh, so, so I moved into a project management position where I kind of handle the team uh, kind of based off of some, some level of sales and analytics. And uh, we work in the petrochemical uh, field. So we, we cater to refineries and we do like pressure vessel stuff and build pressure vessels and design pressure vessels. And we also do just kind of hodgepodge, you know, shoots and ladders, if you would. Uh, we have some CNC equipment. that's really neat. It's a really nice shop that I work for. It's about 295,000 square foot. So I've been doing it for next year. It'll be 16 years. Texas oil far out. <laughs> we, well, we're, we deal with refineries. So it is, we take the oil, we, you know, we deal with the guys that take oil and turn it into plastics to make, uh, you know, solar panels. So pretty much clean energy right here. First and foremost. <laughs> uh, yeah. We want to clear up. It's not the kind that's killing the environment. <laughs> we, we don't deal too much with, uh, uh, ah, it's not true. Yeah, we do. Sorry. I'm really, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we don't deal too much with like oil field stuff and we don't deal with any like fracking stuff. Uh, but we we are also uh, we do custom fabrication, right? So uh, you would come to me with a problem and say we've we've made beautiful signs for businesses that light up and have LEDs and stuff in it. And I've also built like you know those two hundred foot tall, twenty foot towers uh, that spew out that black smoke. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 it is what it is. Uh, I, I I did originally go to school. I was going to be a veterinarian. I did that. I did school for that biology, which was the pre major. Uh, for for a few years and, and realized that not only am I not good at writing, I'm not exceptionally good at reading. Uh, and I'm <laughs> <laughs> there's things in there that I'm not good at, whereas I'm I'm exceptionally uh, good at planning and, and math. Uh, so that that like the numbers made sense to me, and all like, these words are difficult. Isn't that what's fucked up? Is that like you can't be? No one's good at everything. Yeah, it's like. You either can't read and write, but you can do math, which is like the people who can read and write, like cannot do it all. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. It makes me mad when like, I like, I'm like back in the day when I would go through like linear algebra or talking about calculus or something, people would be like, Hey, is that really hard? And I'm like, no, how'd you write that paper though? <laughs> That's really cool. Like, 
I, I need like a if, if there was like talk to talk to text back in like you know the early 2000s when I was in college uh how, how cool would that have been right instead of me like trying to type and you know nah. but I made it I, I, I made it I made it I, I hope I hope you know there's there's some sense uh, of the fact that you know maybe maybe this hobby in in 20 years maybe when I'm 55 or maybe when I'm 60 uh you know I was very very lucky and fortunate to be to be I don't want this to sound like douchey. I was very lucky to get to where I was at a young age. Uh, and I was able to do that because of my, my, my comprehensiveness in, in mathematics, right? Like this made sense to me and I did good. And it was a field that paid very well. So I was able to, to, to build a house very, very young. And I'm actually in the second house that I've, that I've custom built. And, and it's, 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 it's very special to be able to do that at a young age. So maybe Maybe in, 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 you know, 15, 20 years, I can retire at, at, a, at a young age and, and then use something like this uh, and, and try to pay it back. Right. Like do more. You know, I was in scouts. Uh, I, I was in scouts as well as an Eagle Scout. I've done a lot of volunteer work with the local uh, state aquarium, Texas State Aquarium, which is down here in Corpus, which is beautiful. I, I, I want to pay back uh, maybe the, the negative aspects of, of what maybe not necessarily my job. My, my job isn't actually hurting the bar, but, but maybe the people who's who's who i'm catering who are to. facilitated yeah yeah i don't think i've ever like said this out loud it's weird like think about it yeah maybe, maybe in the future i can uh my boss can listen to this and that's it guys <laughs> <laughs> i think that i think that like even though i mean you say math i think everyone has a skill like that that you can kind of figure out how to yeah. make that work for you so math is obviously a very easily marketable skill getting a college degree all that stuff very marketable and yes. very easy to go but i mean maybe you are really really good at reading and breeding your animals and then i think that i mean there's a spot for you there's a spot for you to make that work or there's zoos out there that will take you or there's yeah absolutely. plenty of things uh you can have any type of which skill i don't e i don't even know what the hell my marketable skill is yet and i'm still alive <laughs> but but you're you're you, you know you you work in in your marketable skill is your marketing your capability to to take something and, and bring it to the light of others eyes this this is apparent in your podcast your youtube videos your, your success in your website and then i believe what you do in in, in real life uh, working with websites and, 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 you know, maybe our hobbies, you know, maybe the fact that I keep little like notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of notes on all this like super nerdy stuff that I literally <laughs> don't do. pages and pages and pages of this stuff is, is a derivative of, of my, you know, we all have these inherent uh, things and that they drive us to different aspects of this hobby. You know, I'm, I do this differently than you do this and you do this different than the next big guy. And, and we all do this different than the next, you know, the biggest guy. I don't know who that is. Uh, and yeah. I wish, I wish I was more of you. I think that's the issue. <laughs> I'm very, um, I'm very intuitive when I breed my stuff. And luckily, like, I think I have to stay small because I am intuitive as far as I like to look at body structure. I like to look at behavior. I like to look at when I pair my animals together. I like to watch every pairing and see what's going on. So I think that the way that I work with animals is not scalable at all. It's like completely just based on my intuition and kind of my feelings at the time and all of that stuff and just general observation. For you, there's data, which yeah. is great. Like, yeah. and, I, and I like doing that on like 
in my day job, I need to look at my web sales. I need to see how are we turning off customers, all that stuff. And there's data, but I don't like yeah. recording it. Recording it is like impossible for me. Like I'm, I just do the work and I create a mess and I'll clean it up later, basically. Yeah, it's it's definitely two different aspects of kind of the same thing, but looking at it differently. Because I wish I could be more like in tune with like habits and stuff of things, whereas I'm definitely more uh, ice-like calculated on a lot of it, at least with this, right? Uh, I, I, I don't always have an easy, like, oh man, why is the snake down two grams from where it was? You know, <laughs> like, oh, but you're like, oh man, it looks great. It's perfect body structure. And, you know, for me, sometimes analyzing the, the numbers. So I've gotten, I'm, I'm getting away from it, right? Like I've been trying my hardest to get away from it. I don't have set dates for anything. And so that's, that's kind of trying to distance my, my mindlyhood uh, from kind of what I do professionally or maybe what I just do in, instinctively. Uh, and then, and then taking that into to more like, like I, I did my geckos differently. And then I realized I can kind of use that as a morph to my, uh, to my, uh, keeping that might actually be beneficial to me because now I'm not doing it on that same schedule. I, I did send you the email of that, uh, that rat snake. Yeah. Uh, I hope, I hope you got it. Dude. It's so, rad. so, so do you think that, do you think that keeping less data has made it more fun for you? Or do you think that the way that you work is keeping the data is actually part of the fun? The, the data that I've stopped keeping is like weights on animals. I was really particular about weights and patterns on animals. Uh, so I've stopped doing that, uh, weights on, on animals. Uh, I'm sorry. I sound like the biggest email ever. Look how pretty that snake is. Dude, it's yellow and black and it's a rat snake. Right. It also has reds in it. You can, and there's almost, that's kind of bluish. Right. Uh, yeah. Not bad, or, man. Black head, fully black head too. I know, right? It, it has a little mahogany tinge to it, but yeah. And that's that's a that is a six foot snake. Every bit of a six foot snake. And look, and look this is this is the six six six. Yeah, it's a FM six six six. Oh yeah, uh, this thing's sold immediately. All these babies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody that sees them loves them in pictures, and then everybody that actually is around. <laughs> Is, is like, why would you have that animal? And I'm like, look at it. Uh, anyways, 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 but yeah. So you're, you're uh, the, 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 the keeping aspect uh, by relaxing on it, it has become more hobby-esque, right? Like it feels more, uh, my, my, my other kind of two passions, uh, I, I raced for, for many years, uh, even semi-professionally for a while and in cars and different kinds of racing. And uh that is full on calculation, right? Like there's an amount of brake pressure that you have to put on when you're going into this corner at a specific RPM. Uh, Mike, you got it. You got it. We're going to start with babies. Mike's going to keep a couple babies. I'm going to have a couple babies. Joe's going to have babies. We're all going to try and tame them. We're going to have little tame tokens, just like, you know, just the same way. That <laughs> we got this. We got this. But mine, you know, they were, they were about, they were a little like closer to yearlings when we found them. So, you know, we're going to do what we can do, but yeah, we'll tame them. Uh, so, so with the racing, I mean, it was very, a very calculated thing. Uh, so that was like one aspect of my other very, very passionate hobby is painting. I love painting uh, and, and I paint a lot. That's not a calculated thing. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I was going to say, how opposite is that of racing? <laughs> right? They're, they're, they're more opposite. It's, there really isn't. And so there's two different reliefs there. 
now as as I've grown, as as I've become older, especially having having a, having a child and, and and maybe become a little bit more involved in my career, though not as much time to go racing because it takes, you know, a lot of time and a lot of money. And then, you know, the painting is still a thing, and now it's something I get to do with my daughter a little bit. Uh, but the reptile keeping has is, is flourished over the last six to eight years, right? And, and just become a and, and just become such a such a a mix of both worlds, right? Like you can be, you can spend your time calculating things and, and, and planning things out, but mother nature will take a absolute full swing to your, to your jubblies and, and say, no, that's not how that's going to happen. Uh, it, it, the, the, the second, the second you start thinking you got it figured out, you're going to be, you're going to be real wrong. Yo, Justin, I got you. <laughs> Whatever we yeah. work. And I think that you get kind of that release, that those kind of endorphins when say, and it's a negative thing, but when one yeah. leashy is tearing up another, you're like, oh. you know, yeah. there is that second, or or that that Texas rat snake is hissing, musking, and biting at your face. There's a yeah. little bit of that extreme nature to it as well. It, it's 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 all there, and, and then there's the the love and compassion of the animals that you uh that, that you just enjoy having there's the the painting aspect mixing the different uh morphs uh, uh polygenic yeah. echoes there there's there's art there's art to the craft uh there's also you know setting up a terrarium you know i i i try to keep all of even my baby geckos and and obviously all my adult geckos and stuff like that in relatively naturalistic uh environments and now i've started been been doing uh uh bioactive uh tubs uh, for some of my rat snake species. In fact, when the, the Lynn Hemmeri come out of brumation, they're going to fully bioactive tubs. Uh, so those are those big Texas rats. Though I'm, I'm not keeping them in, in display cages, and I, I would love to. Uh, they're they're going to be in, in large racks that are that are completely bioactive. Uh, so so there's there, there's a lot there's there there's that is the you know there's a craft aspect to it as well as there is the calculated well we need to do this and we need to get this many feedings and then we need to make sure we're doing this and. So yeah, it's kind of a, it's a great question. Hey, just want to shout out to 903 Brewery. If you guys want to sponsor me, hit me up. Y'all make pickle beer. Uh, we love this down here in Texas. Uh, you are from Texas. So uh, uh, hit me up. That is uh, South Texas Gecko Daddy underscore 6969 at yahoo.com. Uh, you'll get that sponsorship going. A little tip of the hat. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man. I thought that uh, Nathan had a had a great question, and his question was, "What native snake to the U.S. isn't very established in the hobby, uh, but you want to see more popularized?" I think that there is some more work to be done with the glossy snakes. I think glossy snakes are really neat. They're they're very similar to a rat snake. They're a little bit more frantic, but, but are really pretty interesting animals. Uh, the, God, there's so many beautiful king snakes in, in, in this country. Um, the, 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 I'm like looking around my room and just being like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, everybody's rats. Pantherovis obsoletus rosalae. And if you call them literally anything else, we're fighting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the uh multi-strata um or or down here we have uh, uh triangulum annulata the tomalipan uh milk snakes down here in corpus in fact uh there's a road in mcmullen county which is one county over to the west that is known as milk snake road uh 
yeah, there's some beautiful species of milk snakes. Now we have to understand that a lot of these animals are, are probably not very good feeders, right? Yeah. Like they, they, they kind of, uh, they, they kind of stuck at that. I, I look, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to grab, so I got to start grabbing snakes. Uh, there's some, you know, there's, there's a lot of wild type, uh, morph, uh, Athenis, which is, uh, gopher snakes, um, specifically Sonoran gopher snakes. And these are Texas native Texas natives and, and they get overlooked a lot. And I have, and they're small. So, so, uh, Sonoran gopher snakes, they can get massive, right? Like your, your carpet Python can be eight foot long or 10 foot long or whatever. And that's not what they're supposed to be. Uh, Usually in the wild, when you find an adult uh, gopher snake, Sonoran gopher snake, they're they're about four four and a half long. They have been found much larger than that. Uh, when 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 Jason Nelson was on your podcast, he was talking about the same Sonoran gophers. You see, see how great they are. Uh, There's something really neat about them. But I've got some like I've got some wild caught ones uh, from Brewster County. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab the female. It's really pretty. She's pretty. That's not one. Yeah, for me, there there's quite a few, and I think that there's a difference between what I like and what also I respect people for working with. So I know in particular there's, there's Stu Tennyson who's actually in Texas too, but he's working with these coastal plains milk snakes that for some are considered an intergrade. And he's what he's doing is they don't actually feed off the rip. They, he needs to actually take dental. He somehow uses like a toothpick and dental floss to assist feed these like tiny little milk snakes that start off too small to eat anything and i think just the hard work that goes into something like that so what are we seeing here Chris? so this is a uh, this is a wild caught brewster county uh snoring gopher snake no morphs or anything on her uh she was really small when we found her she has these cool mahogany colors all down her back and it's like she's chilling out right like when when when, when she was her first found she was a she was a hatchling uh from this year and, and like, like how cool, right? And, and like these animals can be just as calm and as chill as a as a uh, corn snake. They don't get much bigger than a corn snake. They're probably more bulletproof than a corn snake because they come from an area uh, of the state that is literally freezing for two or three months. You know, West Texas the desert's cold and it's hot and it's cold and it's hot. Uh, so that so they can survive it. They have really neat kind of almost transparent belly patterns on them. So yeah, that, that's just this is just like kind of one of the things. I, I wish I wish stuff like this w- was a little bit more popular. And there are some neat morphs. I mean, I can show you. I got I got patternless super forks, and I have hypo uh, standard forks. Uh, Finish. And, and that's have, something that everyone can keep. Everyone can yeah. breed. Everyone can feed. All of that stuff. The, they're 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 very easy feeders. Uh, they they usually eat frozen thawed off the rip. Uh, they're decent sized babies, a little bit bigger than a corn snake. And adult size, they're a little bit bigger than a corn snake. Uh, so you know, fed at a regular interval. Uh, just, just one of the, one of the, I wish these were more popular. I'm going to put this one up real quick. Yeah. Uh, so definitely another one that I think is super awesome. And I see quite a few people keeping, but I think it's just a little bit difficult. A lot of people don't have the patience for is rubber boas. Rubber boas, I feel like are just such a unique animal. They feel like rubber. Yeah. They may look like a worm or something like that. And yeah, their tail looks like their head, but I mean, they're badass. They're little. It's cool, 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 cool snake. Yeah, rubber rubber bows or something else. Uh, and also that has got to be one of the most like bulletproof animals under the sun, right? Like they find them out in like the snow. And, and, and it's what a what a weird. What a and weird at the snake. same time, like, you know, they're in Idaho in the snow. But at the same time, <laughs> we don't have them completely figured out in captivity. No. 
it's like silly, right? You know, it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's for something for people to work on. For sure. There's, there's definitely, and you know, I kind of, I kind of go towards something that's really easy talking about this, but there are, there's a lot of really, really interesting species in North America that, that like haven't been figured out. And, and it's kind of like, it's the second you figure out, a, you know, the first time you solve a Rubik's cube, it's very difficult. The second right. you're a little bit easier at it, but maybe after it's been done 20 or 30 times, it becomes easy. This is now something that, that's just, it comes natural. Right. Uh, and, and so maybe that's what it is with some of these species. Maybe maybe that first time somebody's figuring out that Rubik's cube, uh, it, it's just it's just tough to do. But once we have it wrote down and, and transparent to others, maybe through you know uh, social media or whatever, it's it's one of those. Now it's easy. Yeah, and I think that I mean obviously something like the Baja, it's like maybe or Senicolis triaspis, it's the Western green rat snake. It's like maybe we need to take a much different approach to how to keeping these, which I think is tricky. It's like, maybe they aren't so tricky. It's just not how we approach snake keeping at this current moment. So maybe mm -hmm. it's not, maybe there's a different variable in which isn't a variable for other snakes, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe airflow, maybe humidity, which is something that obviously you're, you're messing with right now, but yeah, there's definitely. something, it definitely doesn't, uh, they definitely don't all just die we're we're yeah. doing something wrong <laughs> like, yeah it, it, and it's maybe maybe we keep everything like let's just akin it to keeping everything like a corn snake right well maybe corn snakes are just really good at living to the parameters that we're providing them right maybe that's not the actual best way you know to keep them uh there I'd, I'd like to start keeping things in different kinds of enclosures i'd like to start seeing things interact more in like a cohab uh Universe, I've kept some of my rats, uh, rat snakes, cohab, which is kind of neat. Uh, I'm brumating all of my stuff. I'm not brumating. I'm brumating corn snakes like I've bred corn snakes, like I, or like I've brumated corn snakes. Doing it the same way I've always done it because it's like, that works. Uh, I decided this year that I'm going to brumate my pitchiophis and my, my big rats uh, cohab. Uh, not by need. I didn't need to do that, but I, I've heard a lot of people, a lot of old school people saying, hey, yeah, you know, I have a lot of luck. When you, when you actually brumate them together. Uh, and then you pull them out, you separate them, start feeding them. You get that first shed, you start pairing them back up together. So yeah, uh, there, there's there's a lot a lot out there. There's so why, why is there like two corn snake books and then like you know uh, you know thirty billion terabytes of information out there for us to to share? Right? It, it's let's change that. Let's you know, and that's that's changed through the the, the social media and and and, and Im imaging systems and, and YouTube videos and. But at the same time, it's a lot easier that way to get false information because it's not being peer reviewed or it's not a book that people are telling you not to read. You know, it's just free information that anybody puts out there. So that's that's kind of the new generation's problem. I think that that's that's so interesting as far as what could we do, because obviously people like us, we would read probably a publication on our favorite species. Not everyone is going to and even probably a dwindling amount of people are going to to read a book. I think, yeah. I think most people's, most people's perspective is these lazy fucks won't read a book, but really what our perspective should be is how can we make content that educates these individuals instead of worrying about, you know, them reading a book from 1984. Yeah. Uh, good year. Good year. But it's great year. <laughs> like, 
maybe it's uh it's the individuals that think that books are where it's at that should be making the youtube videos because i mean the people reading the, or making the youtube videos may not be reading the books and the information is just not equal between the platforms so i mean we need to take it in our own hands maybe to create more content more things that are reaching you know in ways that not only we may think reading books is right, but that doesn't make it right or convenient or it doesn't help no. the app either. No. Yeah. It's, that's a tough one. And, 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 and hmm, man, that's a, that's a great point to be, be talking about as far as what, what, what can we do to promote that, uh, that, that sensibility in the hobby. And also, you know, it, it's like 20 years ago when somebody told you how they did something, they told you how to do something, right? They didn't tell you how they did it. They told you the right way to do it. Right. Now that mindset has changed. And, and that's, that's one of the things I love about the hobby is I don't tell you the only way to do it. I'm telling you how I have had success or how I have had failures. But I think that derives from us being a lot more comfortable with our failures now than we ever were 10, 20 or humanity, 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's, I, I think, I think that's just as human nature evolves our, our way to uh, explain and, and, and divulge information to others is, uh, is, is, is changing and adapting. It's evolving, right? It's literally evolving. Uh, and that's, that's, that's a pretty special thing. Now that goes beyond just this hobby. Uh, that, that goes through mental mental health, uh, especially like men's mental health. And that's not something we need to talk about or get into, but that is something that has been egregiously uh, ignored, you know, suck it up, be a man. Right. And that, that turns out that that's not, that's not necessarily the answer, but that's evolving. Uh, you know, uh, how, how, how men treat women and, and how women respond to the way men treat them. Uh, this is another thing that uh, it's evolving. It, it, humanity is evolving. The way we keep these animals is evolving. Uh, it doesn't mean to not look back at the past and see how things have been done, but that also means let's 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 see how many different ways we can do this. And then when I tell you how I did it, it's because this is how I found success or I found failure, uh, not this is the textbook way to do it. But we do need to find that calculation in there. That gets us to the end product. Okay, so we need this much ventilation, this much heat, this much humidity in different spots, uh, this much of a feeding pattern or this much routine. And now now we have it. Now let's start expanding on that. Let's try different beddings. Uh, let's try a, a bioactive enclosure. Let's try overhead heat. Let's try belly heat. Let's try a display enclosure. Let's try something where they can't see you at all. You know you can make a PVC enclosure where the animal can't see you. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to give them vertical space. Uh, there, there's, there, I, I keep some of my geckos in tubs that you are completely opaque, but it's still a vertical enclosure, right? Uh, this, this same thing can be done. Uh, you don't, you don't. It doesn't have to be. You know, you you can take Plasti Dip, which is a great product if anybody's looking at doing this, uh, and paint an aquarium with this black plastic dip on the outside. Don't do it on the inside. And you can have a 10 gallon aquarium with a screen lid that provides great ventilation for an animal that doesn't necessarily want to be seen all the time, but still have the capabilities of actual uh, size and a glass enclosure. If that's the way that you want to, you want to deal with what you're doing, maybe something that needs uh, more humidity, less humidity. You know, there's so many different variables. Uh, 
but but we but we can keep evolving these things yeah and i think what's probably the main thing that works throughout that whole thing is being open to changing being open to other people's ideas being open that you're not always right uh it's really wrong which is like really really changing as far as i feel like at least when it came to marketing and stuff especially for for snake keepers and breeders it was you wrote the book you said what's right and wrong if anyone tests me you know i'm gonna prove them right or wrong and you know shoot them down i think now it's much more of a you know do what works for you here's what works for me type of situation and and i think as as we we move forward in this we can start uh singling out the parameters that make each of these things work uh this is what this was this is what this was this is what this was reach these three and you'll have success uh not necessarily concerning about other things i'm pretty sure my, my corn snakes would do great in my bioactive setups that I've used. Uh, I'm pretty sure my corn snakes would do great on paper towels or puppy pads. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure my corn snakes would do great without heat, probably. I don't know. They'd probably do great without anything. Uh, you um, may have done it before, yeah. yeah for sure. I, I, I know people that have bred leeches in, in, in tubs from Walmart with holes poked in them with paper towels and uh, PVC tubes that have been, you know, holes cut in them so they can go in and out of the PVC tubes like cork bark with a water bowl, and then they bred ten thousand dollar leeches. Uh, this, this is a, this is a possible thing to do. Um, the parameters were met. I guarantee you their humidity levels. Guarantee you their feeding regimens and their feeding items, what diets they're giving them, and I guarantee you their temperature. All three of those parameters were met. How they accommodated everything else. Uh, whether good or bad for the animal, still worked, right? Success was driven. So let's start honing in and protect, perfecting that. So yeah, there's so much, so many, man, so many little multi, so many little things. I don't know, I'll start ranting on it, but yeah. Uh, I, think, so- I think JD had a good point. He said, books are typically peer reviewed. So like, as far as you at least have an editor, you have someone who's reading it, you probably send it to friends, you send it to a professor, you send it to all these different people who really check it out. And unfortunately, yeah. the nature of current media is that you need to put it out every week. You know, you need yeah. to have a new video every week or else the algorithm doesn't give a fuck about you. So you try to keep up with this and therefore your research probably goes down and no one reviews it and stuff like that. And I mean, that's not saying that there's not people putting out good. There's plenty of people putting out great information, but there's oh, yeah. room for error, I think, more so than a book in which someone's going to put out, you know, a book a year. You know, if yeah, you're very exactly. prolific, you're probably going to put out like three books in a lifetime, realistically. Yeah. If, if somebody was writing a, a, a reptile book that was peer reviewed, that was based on actual research, that was derivative of experience every year, they would, I mean, that would, that would be insane, right? And then, how, yeah, that's, you know, I, I'd like, you know, a fiction author talking about, you know, ghosts and vampires gets a book out a year. That is still an absolute achievement uh, coming from somebody who literally cannot write. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is something that is so far beyond the conceptualization of something that I could ever do, uh, right? Like, it, it's it takes a lot to do that. Now do it on something that is not only peer-reviewed in the sense of editing, but is now peer-reviewed in the sense of actual scientific data, right? Like. 
this doesn't get to go out unless it's probably right. You know what I mean? And so it's pretty, it's amazing. Or at least, yeah, the scientific community accepted. Yeah. Willing to change shit later, I'm sure. I, you know, I don't actually know how taxonomy changes in snakes, but I'm ready to meet the guy that fucked up rat snake. <laughs> I'm ready. Tell him to call me up. We'll have a rage of the cage match. <laughs> like, we're, 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 we're ready to go down here in South Texas. I, I mean, how, how'd you do that? Like, we're, we're not, we don't have to talk about it, Joe, because, you know, this is a, you know, we're not going to cuss a whole bunch and we don't need to get We're pretty PC. Right oh, man. Yeah. There, there's some taxonomy uh, changes that, you know. And I think, I think all colubrid guys would agree with that. And I'm not sure if it's like this whole, this is how we always did it type of attitude, or it's like the don't change what I already know. Like I finally figured out that there's rosy rat snakes and there's corn snakes yeah. and those are two different things. I think it's a little bit of everything. And it's like, it's also you're used to in the hobby. We bred, we bred the MRI to the corn yeah. snake and they're subspecies, not a big deal. Now they're species. Oopsies. Uh, there's like, there's a whole, a whole bunch of factors to it. And then there's yeah. also things that don't seemingly make sense. It doesn't seemingly make sense that a black rat snake is an Eastern rat snake and an Everglades rat snake, which is red instead of black is also an Eastern rat snake. <laughs> kind of different. A rat snake that's in the middle there somewhere is also, you know, this, an Eastern rat snake, but it's yellow phenotypically. You yeah. couldn't be more different in those animals. Yeah. Or, or remember all, all of your uh, all of your other uh, Gulf hammock rats that fall into that area. All of the so so Obsoletus Williams eye. I mean, doesn't even look like a uh, Everglades rat snake. Not even phenotypically similar. I mean, obviously a hatchlings all Obsoletus kind of looks similar, but I do believe that that is a trait they have evolved to have for camouflage. There's a reason for that. It's where they're living, what they're doing. They're getting more up in trees and stuff like that. Uh, so, so you, so you have your like golf hammock rats that look nothing, absolutely nothing like an Everglades rat. I don't even think they integrate with Everglades rats and they're now the exact same species as an Everglades rat, which depending on where you go for your gray rats, your gray rats, rats can either be a, a, an Allegahensis or, or they can fall into the other, uh, I'm sorry, whatever new species they have for the middle, the middle rats, we'll call them. And then <laughs> Midland rats. There is, uh, they're literally, you're right, Midland rats. There literally is an entire section of the range map that is cut out of, we don't know. Well, you used to know. <laughs> Why would you do this, right? Like it, it, that, that is one of the changes. And I don't, I don't pay a lot of attention uh, to big changes in her, 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 her culture, but like actual herpetology. Uh, because may, maybe I'm just not that privy to it. I'm not that, you know, my, it's not clicked on my radar. Uh, but but going back and realizing what they did when they split all this stuff up. So that's where, and this this is where my like pushing my glasses up my nose and I go, well, actually, this is why we need to try to, as, long, as well as making these crazy morphs and stuff. Now, let, let's talk, start talking about maintaining locality specific uh, collections, especially phenotypically similar locality specific collections. Because taxonomy is going to change, right? Locality taxonomy is going to change. 
locality will never change. Me having two, you know, I, I say Nueces County, but I, but I have some, you know, I have my Rosalea from Hendry County and my, 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 my yellow rats are Seminole County and, and my, my white oaks, gray rats are, are from Santa Rosa County. And, you know, I have a whole bunch of little locality uh, projects for corn snakes. We know where these animals came from. I enjoy nerding out on that aspect just as much as I do the morph aspect, the, the five gene animal, you know, that's, you know, you know, that my daughter named snow cone or whatever, like that, that animal is just as important in my curated collection as the specific wild caught or F1 animal. Both of these animals are trying to do something different in the hobby. Luckily get to be maintained at the same time in the same room. And, and they're, they're, you don't have to, you get too many locality guys, too many morph guys, they get battles and arguments about this stuff. Right. We don't need to have that. We can work together. Yeah. Just regional. Yeah. Regional variations. Yeah. It's, it's there, there, we don't have to go off of scientific names. We can go based off of regional phenotypes. Uh, and, and, you know, even within that, or, or there, maybe you'll have mixed phenotypes within a region. Uh, you know, it's, 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 man, what, what a neat hobby, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, it's, I think it's important to realize that like, these animals occur in the wild. What we call them in captivity, what we breed together is completely different and it's in our own fun. So like, don't get your panties too much in a bunch yeah. about it. But like, yeah, if you, if you feel strongly that a rosy rat snake, you know, in the Florida Keys is a different species than a corn snake, then please, 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 please keep, you know, a collection of rosy rats and bring yeah. them together and make sure that that exists. Cause I want yeah. that to exist. Cause why the fuck not? Sell, sell me some, I'll take them. Like I'd love yeah. it, right? Like, please do, but also don't poo poo me when my, you know, magical unicorn horn Chaco latte, you know, uh, purple snake comes out and I'm like, look at this one. Uh, th th this, we can even jump to the, the, the idea of hybrids. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that, that really, really, really get down negatively on hybrids. I don't think there's really a problem with hybrids with the exception of, of, of situational integrity. If, if you're generating a hybrid to make the world's first albino in a, in a gray rat or, or not on a gray rat, a uh, gray banded king snake, which is how the albino gray banded king snakes came up. Uh, albino theri. Uh, so any, any lamp or is theri that's albino. I do not care what percentage of theri it is. It is not pure theri. That's uh, cheating. Yeah, you're just cheating. Yeah, you're cheating. Yeah. That that the, the albino, I believe, came from, and, and I am not the al the Mexicana specialist, but I believe that came from lamp Ruth ruthveni. Uh, that was the first albinos, and then that got bred back into theri because a lot of the Mexicana, if you look at kind of that range, they're very similar to the rat snakes. You have your alterna, uh, theri leonis, greer eye, ruth van eye, uh, web eye, uh, <clears throat> and I'm probably missing one. Whoever nerd just yelled at their computer, calm down. Uh, but yeah, th there's you know there, there's all of this going on and taking something out of that and plugging it into something else and calling it something that it's not. If, if you take uh, your albino black rat snake, which there's two different variations of albino black rat, they're gorgeous, and you take that and you plug that into a Texas rat snake because technically they were only subspecies of each other, let it be known, right? At that point, 
Pantherophis obsoletus, Linhemeri, and Pantherophis obsoletus. No, my God, I forgot what black rats were. Uh, not Spilobius. That's weird. Uh, anyways, whatever the black rats or whatever the fuck. Yeah. What, 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 and, and then you breed those together. Well, now that's Pantherophis obsoletus, right? And, and then now we're being too picky on taxonomy, which is what we were just saying we're trying to get away from because we're using regional variations. So does that mean that every morph in order to be considered a full-blooded morph needs to be a locality-specific morph? Morph, but then then when do we start get to start getting playing like mad scientist? And then well then the corn snakes, if they range from one man, we could go on, you know, there's there's so many variations. You cannot be picky about one thing and then okay with another thing. It's not that's what this hobby needs to get away with or away from is being okay with one thing and then not okay with another thing, right? Like we, we need to just hell yeah, man. You you made a you know a king snake ball python mix i'm sure that works uh and, and and great awesome sell it as that produce it as that let's find out more about it let's see how it works but let's keep it in the hobby is that uh uh you know billy billy hunt uh, a good buddy of ours uh produces the jack ponderos uh badass these are amazing these are beautiful and, and and it's like wow that's great for the hobby because there's people out there that want that you've curated a snake for somebody it's like painting a classic porsche that should have never been repainted painting it you know lime green and selling it and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the guy that bought it could have never been happier about a lime you know 1982 porsche 911 that's not originally goblin green and whatever and, and so that person is so happy to have that in their collection and and, and it obviously you know it, it went somewhere did something you you generate something let's be honest about it let's not try to hide it let's not try to call it something it's not and then you know, let's let's push that out there. I don't know. Yeah, and I think what's great about the hobby is that regardless of what we do and what we talk about is that there's always those two guys. There's a guy who doesn't cross anything. There's a guy who crosses everything. If you want to buy from the guy who crosses everything, that's fucking awesome. If you want to buy from the guy who keeps everything pure, that's awesome. Just present them in the way that, you know, that's truthful. And there you go. Exactly. We, we have two different options. You can, oh man, does a does a bread lie IJ coastal albino look amazing? But if you're if you're a guy who doesn't cross that line, all right, man, there's pures of all that stuff, and hopefully that we're able to maintain those two things. Like hopefully we're able to maintain the purity. Hopefully we're able to have those guys who are gonna push the limits and do crazy things. Yeah, it's like some. I, I want to be somewhere in the middle. I, I don't really want to generate hybrids, uh, but I, and I definitely want to have like locality specific projects. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I want to see I want to see where we can go, kind of mixing the two. Uh, you, you know, we've talked about this. The the local rat snake is the what used to be called a thorn scrub rat snake. Uh, this was the, oh, I, I love to shit on you about these, by the way. So the thorn scrub thorn scrub rat snake just little heads up. Uh, I should get one out because they're huge. Uh, they're, they're yeah, bro. I have an emery rat snake. I know what they look like. No, I mean they look the same. They're just twice the size. This is a bigger animal. No, no. I would love to see one actually because I don't think oh, I've yeah. actually seen. Yeah, go for it. So, so what what Chris is talking about is that emery eye. First of all, was a was a subspecies of corn snake. It was Pantherophis guttatus emery eye, and then it was Pantherophis emery eye. But there was also Pantherophis. Was it? Was it? Was it melon? What is? Uh, uh, was it full me, species? 
You no, know, it was a subspecies. So Emory I was in three different uh, subspecies, uh, and that was Meal Morum. Uh, so you've got Meal Morum uh, Emory I, which is the Great Plains Rat Snake. I'm sorry, you've got Meal Morum, which is a thorn scrub. This is this is a, a Nueces County uh, thorn scrub. And he's, I mean, he's big. It's a big snake, right? Like, can I can I go get my Emory I while I pee? Yeah, for funsies. Uh, and I'll tell everybody the genetic, the taxonomy bullshit we're dealing with right now. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, so you have uh, meal morum, which is the thorn scrub rat snake. And, and these are found uh, closer to the coast. Uh, and they're big. They're chunky. Look, look at the girth on these animals. These are not like corn snakes. They're not thin little emery eye. Uh, they, they may have the patterning and the colors, but these are big snakes. Uh, and ignore my hand. I have like ogre hands that just look weird um but th these are big 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 stinks so the thorn scrub then as you move up into texas and and, and further north is becomes a great plains rat snake and even if you're in west texas you have the great plains rat snake which is pantherophis embryon then if you move more north uh there's the pantherophis intermontana which is the uh colorado rat snake i think it was called and it may have been called the great plains uh Colorado rat snake. I am not entirely sure on their, their common name, but that was the inner Montana uh, subspecies or, or, or full species of these. So yeah, there, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, arguing going on uh, about where these animals actually were and where they started with uh, this. This is a, a great example of a normal, uh, just beautiful uh, thorn scrub, right? Big, chunky, earthy, you know, still has your, your, your kind of uh, loaf of bread look, but they're just a, a, a larger bodied snake, right? Like these, these are, this is a, this is not a chunky fat snake. Uh, yeah, what is that? Like a, like a three-year-old snake? This is like an elderly snake. Oh He's yeah, see? Like, he was actually, see, this is, this is a male emery or pantherophis emery emery rat snake. And this was actually wild collected by Tony of Selective Scales. And when I say wild collected, I believe, I'm not sure if this animal was found in Tony's driveway or it was found on a construction site that he was on. I don't remember the story. I think I got it mixed up between one of Austin Warwick's stories. So I think this was yeah. found on Tony's driveway in uh, DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Keller, yeah, absolutely. Chemically. Yeah. Yeah, he's actually a pretty big male, uh, and he's kind of an yeah. old guy. Yeah, and, and and this is this is a you know big, 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 big. You know, I'm I'm six foot tall, and this thing's probably every bit of close to five foot. I bet five foot, if not more. Uh, and and, yeah, and that, we're probably looking at four feet on this animal right here. You're looking kind of for that bread loaf look. This guy's got muscle structure, and they're just thick. The 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 thing about the rat snakes down here is they're chunky, man. And it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's good. It's a good structured snake. You know what I mean? Like you could tell when a snake is obese uh, and, and, and you want, you want to have that kind of bread loaf look to them. And, and this guy's, you know, nice, nice, nice color, man. One thing that nobody is really seeing is the, uh, the iridial force. These animals have, have really, oh, yeah. they're, they're actually really colorful. Uh, and you get these really cool. I got a nice light on I'm trying to see if you see that. Yeah. They have these really cool iridial fours. Uh, you can awesome. see even this animal has pinks and oranges, the belly right there. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, I've always appreciated it. And it's a wild caught animal, man. Yeah. So this is an F1. But here, let me show you a wild caught. And then let me show you an F3 line bred stripe. Yeah, so this is this is an animal that I've had for for a few years from Tony and just super calm, super cool. This is actually I keep him in a, a bioactive uh, cage because, he's you know, he's one of my pets. I don't breed him to anything. But uh, yeah, just a really cool snake. Even if uh, even if you were looking for a pet, man, I all the emery eyes I've I've hung out with as far as I've held and stuff like that. And there's albinos out there too. And there's snows. I think those are hybrids of snows, but um, they're the all snows pure. are not, the snows are not hybrids. Oh, there's, there's pure Anri. Yeah. There's, there's pure, pure Anri Emri. The, the thought was that they were the same Anries they found in Slowinski eye, uh, but they found a few different Anri uh, examples. So there's albino Emri. There's Anri Emri, there's Snows, which is a combination of the two. There's Chocolate Emri, and there's Albino Chocolate Emri. So this is Jigsaw, who is a really crazy pattern. I found this guy while group chatting with our, our group. Uh, we were video, we were FaceTiming, and I was driving around completely legally and literally found the snake in the road in the middle of the day. Uh, he's, he's crazy looking. He doesn't look like a like his pattern is not. So I think what's what's important to mention is the fact that Emrei typically have this. Like if you've seen a corn snake before, this is the typical pattern. And if yeah. you look at that animal, it has almost the vertebrae pattern of say a rat snake. A lot of the the rat snakes have those pointed patterns, at least on the corners there, and yeah. they almost look like like back vertebrae right there. So that's super interesting, especially because it looks, you know, exactly like an Emrei. It has some of the chocolatiness in the pattern and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but it has a little bit of that vertebrae pattern. So the first snake that I had out, the big guy, that, that is an Oasis County thornstrip, right? Like that is what they normally look like. This guy was found in a specific place in Oasis County, where I was driving that they're known to have that kind of jawbone pattern. Huh. So a few guys uh, that have been really big into this took those jawbone pattern guys and kept breeding them. So let's get one step further. How, how deep are we getting as far as like rat snake nerdiness? There's a, there's someone out there that's enjoying this. It's very few people and I love it. I love it. How specific this is getting. That's one step further. Actually, what the fuck is going on there? So yeah, I have a huge collection of striped, pure Nueces County. Emery. I'm trying to put you full screen here. There you go. So these were produced by a gentleman named Toby Brock and John Lassiter here in Corpus Christi, Texas. And these are F3 Nueces County snakes. And for those who are on download right now, we're looking at something that has pretty much a straight bear pattern that almost forms a stripe down the middle of the spine of a snake that usually has the pattern <laughs> equivalent to like a corn snake. That's so, wild. Yeah. So this is an F3 Mealmorum, true wild caught line bred thornstroke. This now in current taxonomy is an embryo, which is fine, which, you know, it is what it is. So now we take this and let's start looking at what we can do with it. 
And by the way, whenever Chris tries to to message me and say this is my thorn scrub, I make fun of him and tell him nice MRI. Because I mean, that's what friends do. You just gotta kind of uh joke about this stuff. I mean, I love the fact that there's people that are separating the two because because I'm not, but I like to mess with Chris that it's an MRI. This is a pure sick, dude. from North Texas lineage that's just albino. But if that's a selectively bred trait and we can prove it out that that's a selectively bred trait, so my F1s from this animal to that animal will start sowing. Oh, it bites. <laughs> it bites the hell out of me. Dear it, it evil. Which uh, call it? I almost never bite, and I'm, I'm sure that. I was about to say, didn't we have that discussion like five minutes ago? Constant anything else. They're super chill, and it didn't even bite me. It headbutted me. It just scared the shit out of me. Uh, so, so this snake is a pure Emery albino, uh, and so I took this snake, uh, which just happens to be female, and breed it back to that male that I was just holding. Uh, what is our F1s going to look like, right? They're going to they're have some kind of a oddly structured pattern, hopefully similar to the wild-caught animal that I showed you, and, and be hats for albino. Then let's start breeding that project back together. And, and now we have different localities, and, you know, we're, 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 we're not striping out that gene pool, uh, and, and then maybe maybe we get an albino like that. And then I can further that. Uh, I have snows in my collection. I have chocolates in my collection. I have albino chocolates in my collection. And I have some het anneries in my collection. I, I Sadly, at this time don't have any uh, true anneries. There's not a whole lot of people that work with them. Uh, they kind of look like normal <laughs> embryo. But yeah, so, so, so th there's, there's projects like that. So now we can take a, a, a true um, locality specific, selectively bred animal, which I, I have a few. So like I'll keep working with that line because you know there's not a lot of people working with it. Uh, and I can hone in on that line, maybe even make it better. But now let's start throwing it to everything else that's in the hobby, right? Right. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, man, I I I want a snow Emmy, right? These are these are things that, and if people don't have reference for like the cost and value of these things, we're talking about like seventy five dollars snakes, and yeah. we are so excited about these fucking things. And like I, I normal Emmy, are like fifteen dollars. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think the albinos are max. Now, here's the thing. Find true captive bred pure embryos, right? Uh, I, I think they're maybe 100 bucks. Snows are maybe 150 now, right? Like uh, a, a great person to reach out to if you're looking for animals like this uh, is Travis Weisler, I believe is the gentleman's name. I've gotten a few of my morph animals from him. Whistler, there you go. Uh, let me show you, let me show you a chocolate because that's that's where things get weird. Yeah, so and chocolate's indicative for that obviously chocolate coloration. And if you look at this wild type emery eye, I mean he's kind of a chocolate, he's kind of a brown coloration. So chocolate's just a little bit more extreme of this. So I don't know, I don't know how people originally like picked chocolates away from normals. And I was saying, like, you know, the normal emery eye as adults are rather chocolate coloration. They're so, amazing. So They're like amazing. How do you even pick out, say, you know, a chocolate from a normal? So the pattern is different. Dude, it's dark, have, actually. They have red heads, Ooh. which you can kind of see. And then they have iridophores on their body that is like to a magnitude of like a children's python or something. You know when you see a spotted children's python and it kind of looks silly in pictures? Uh, these kind of have that same 
crazy sheen to them. And it's impossible to get in a picture or something. Um, so yeah, the chocolate Emery, it does deepen its colors more as a hatchling than anything else. Uh, but it's the pattern, right? It, it gets these, instead of having the bands or the, or normal, what we're used to with it like that, it has a ton of little chunks, just, just kind of spots all over it. It's almost like a spotted morph, kind of like a zipper. It, it so almost looks like, it almost looks like an Antaresia. Yeah, it, almost, it, really, it really does. Um, yeah. and then, so this is a recessive trait, but it almost has that, uh, you know, down the spine quality of it. So what happens when you take a recessive trait like this, generate heads, and then produce something that was line bred to be striped? Uh, and, and we have to be very honest about the, the reverse stripe gene in the MRI. It is not a codom trait, though it will generate abnormalities in the first generation. It will, it, it is, it is only, it's poly, it's a polygenic trait, right? Like this is something that is, 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 is in the genetics of the animal that is, that is, passed on we may never this is just totally possible in, in in the genetics of these animals we may never be able to generate another line of snakes with stripes like that by by taking hets from embryo right that may just be that lineage of animals now there are f3s and i actually have an f4 animal as well uh so no are Maybe. there are there normal patterned animals coming out of those striped pairings no so the striped pairings either produce highly aberrant animals or uh or strike animals so yeah it's it's pretty crazy let me, let me, let me grab one more you know what's funny and i was thinking of it just as as chris was talking it's like when was the last time that i held this animal it's probably been quite a long time, especially because the enclosure that it's in, it's in a bioactive enclosure that I don't need to clean that often. And like, damn, am I happy that I randomly picked up this animal today. It just makes me so happy to like reconnect with an animal that when you have a larger collection, you don't hold everything. But it's like just to hold an animal for this long just makes you realize why the hell you keep these animals. So here's your snow MRI, which if you look at the leftover coloration after everything gets blown out compared to this animal and the animal in your hands, you see that base color is still there. And that's kind of yeah. the thing about, about Emory is they have that golden sheen in there. And, and, a, and a lot of those are radio fours. God, I hope that's the right word. Cause I've been using it this whole time. Arita force. Arita force, yeah. that's I a lot of that is, is lost in the snow, not necessarily in the albino or the chocolate or anything. Uh, but you lose a lot of that in the stone that may, may be just a byproduct of the annery that's in there uh, getting rid of some of the red. But yeah, it's it, it's kind of neat what what the animals do as you start <laughs> mixing all the things. So where where can we go taking that big wildcat or the big F1 male that we have over here or this crazy wildcat male that we got while, while live streaming with our friends? And, and, you know, it's got this crazy pattern on it, but that pattern almost looks like these F3 stripe guys. And I caught that guy on like, yo, like on Agnes street, bro. Like, right. Like we know where he's from. Uh, so, so that's, that's kind of a neat, a neat little, little thing we get to do with this hobby. You know, it's how, how many people will care about this stuff? I don't know. Maybe everybody will, maybe in every Emory I are the next. You and Mike. That's what we're working with right now. You mean yeah. Mike. That's what we got. <laughs> The, the variation 
You know, some somebody did this with black rat snakes in the eighties, and everybody forgot about it because there are some amazing things going on with black rat snakes. The the cool thing about these guys uh, is they're a little bit more relaxed, uh, being being that they're not obsoletus. Uh, so any any of the Pantherophis obsoletus stuff usually has a little bit higher maintenance attitude. You will have some nice examples, uh, but you will also have your FM six 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 Texas rat snakes that are part of that group. Uh, coming from your Emory, uh, you know, this was Pantherophis guttatus Emory. It was guttatus Slowinskii. You know, all they, they, they've been sub subsected into so many different things, but your Emory family, your, uh, your, your Milmorum family is all part of the corn snake realm of rats. And that's why I, and I'm going to say this live for the first time, uh, I believe that Pantherophis uh, is is where you find your emryi and your corn snakes and el- elafe. Uh, what this all used to be elafe is where you find your obsoletus, uh, and and they're actually different. And you can tell that these are different lineage of animals. I mean, yeah. like just behavior, man, is so different. And then mm-hmm. head shape, body type, all of that. Like an yeah. emryi is a corn, like it's a yeah, corn it's a corn snake. And you if can see. I- if you've seen like the taxon the taxonomy, there's these like tree diagrams in which um, there's a rat snake group, and it goes mm-hmm. western, eastern, midland at least right now, and then there's a corn snake group that goes every eye uh, corn snake, and then yeah. it kind of breaks off into Slowinski eye and stuff as well. In 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 West Texas, you have Baird's rat snake, which used to be part of the Obsoletus family as well. Uh, as you go through the cusp of West Texas to North Texas, I uh, integrate with Texas rat snakes. In this entire range, you have Emory, right? They don't integrate. Neither one of them integrates with Emory. So what's Which going you on? Would think, yeah. You know, you're sharing the same habitat. Yeah. You're sharing a lot of, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and one of the reasons they removed Bogertrophus from this group was because they don't, they're totally different, right? But I'd go as far as saying that your emery eye and your 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 uh, Baird eye, uh, and then you know up into your Lindhammeri and your Milmorum. Now maybe we can say that you know Milmorum being the thorn scrub and emery eye being the Great Plains rat snake, maybe that was a little bit egregious. You know, maybe that that split and that split was mostly based on size. They're much bigger. They're just they're just massive animals. But, but again, so are you know so are differences as far as northern porn or porn snakes. Porn snake. Yeah, check out those OnlyFans at uh, portcityporn.com uh, forward slash uh, feet pics with corn snakes. Uh, also, yeah, go ahead, cornhub.com. Check that out, kids. Did you? I, were you? Were you around long enough to where in April? In April Fools, I turned. I I said that I was rebranding into Cornhub. I I've been listening to you for a long time. I think I do remember that. <laughs> That's a good call, That's though, right? Like, thing that no one cared about is that I turned my whole website and like my Facebook and Instagram into Cornhub. I, I've and, only had Facebook and Instagram for like a couple years, so I, I'm new on the social media thing. But I was been listening to your podcast for a long time, so that might have been where I where I where I missed out. I hope someone appreciates the joke out there because I worked really hard and I thought it was funny. But anyway, um, the the you know the Northern Burlington. Uh, pine snakes are going to be very yeah. different and there's there's northern pine snakes in burlington new jersey that are mm-hmm. eight feet long and then yeah. there's northern pine snakes that are in georgia you know that are five feet long and that's yeah. just kind of 
maybe it's habitat and ecosystem that have stressed these animals in different ways in which they get different sizes. So yeah. what's to say, I guess genetic testing would be to say, I mm -hmm. don't know, uh, I am not a geneticist, I'm an idiot. And, you know, <laughs> there's probably, you know, I try to lean on these guys who know what the fuck they're talking about. And I just yeah. kind of go with it and try not to complain about it, even though it makes zero sense to me. You yeah. know, a lot of it. It's tough, though. It's tough. It's there. There's so much into that. Uh, uh, Scott Iper, uh, who was on Snakes and Stogies uh, two episodes ago, talked about mitochondrial DNA is what geneticists are using for taxonomy. And it's only taking uh, I, and I, I could be remiss when I say this. Uh, taking DNA from the female and that there's a lot left to still be interpreted from all this. Uh, so I don't know. Do we need to break them up more? Do we need to lump them together more? Maybe that doesn't really matter. And maybe we just need to get past that. That's that human nature to name things, right? Like, you know, it's like, us trying to put things in boxes. Yeah. yeah it, it's, you know what? We, we can definitely say they're all. We can say that the thorn scrubs and the emery eye and the and the inner Montana, which is the smallest species that's up there in Colorado, which is half the size of the one you're holding. And guess what? Like I want that, and I I yeah. see it as different, but I see it as the same. You know? Yeah. Like, and it, if if you had a pair of like a specific county or something, you'd want a locality specific pair. But how cool would it be to make little tiny miniature ones of these guys? But at the same time, how cool is it to make, you know, six foot versions of these guys that are just chill? That's probably one of the best things about the, uh, you know, and some of the Solinsky eye that I have. Uh, a lot of the corn snake-esque animals are super chill. The ones that are the least chill are like the corn snake babies. <laughs> right, right. Kind of funny. Like adult corn snakes, I have one adult corn snake that's just, I don't know. I don't know what her deal is. Uh, other than that, most of my adult corn snakes are just the most chill animals in the world. I trust anybody with them. Uh, the babies are just kind of crazy. I don't know why, uh, but these guys are for the most part, just kind of super chill. I, I hope, I hope that as I work in this hobby, you know, towards some of these projects, which are like six to nine year, probably going to be closer to nine to 12 year projects to be able to actually generate snows and albinos with that same reverse stripe. If the genetics play out correctly, we are playing the lottery here. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're trying to get a lot of things to align and holding back a lot of animals. Uh, if, if all of that works out great, you know, I hope that we have these just super relaxed, chill animals that feed great right off the hit. Dude, these things are just like murderous pinky takers, frozen thawed, no questions asked way better than corn snake. And mo most corn snakes are pretty easy. Like let's, you know, 80, 90% of corn snakes eat right off the rip. Uh, these, these are probably around that same amount. So this is just a great animal that can get in the hobby. And I hope, hope I can promote that. Uh, along with a lot of things. Also, uh, neat comparison. This is about a yearling emery eye. And then you were just talking about New, Jer New Jersey Giants there a second ago. Oh, damn. So New Jersey Giant is an older line of, I believe they originated in Burlington, New Jersey. I believe that they're in that area. If not, they're in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey somewhere. And, uh, it was an old school line in which you're talking about huge northern pine snakes. And that is a big black and white. And they're also known for the, the white background coloration in which northern pines typically aren't that white and black. But that is a fucking beautiful pine snake. So that's a yearling New Jersey giant Tom Davis line. No, it's a yearling. That's a yearling. <laughs> that's an adult Ruth Benai. Right? No. It's <laughs> 
Hey, dude, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. Uh, <laughs> if if you wanted to find, dude, I need one. Of, I need two of those immediately. Yeah, I got a couple of them. Uh, let's see here. Let's not call it completely a yearling. This will be a year and a half. Year, year and three month old animal. That's good enough. Yeah, for sure. She's rad. Like it's that, clean too. That's they're all tail too. It's really neat. They're really really neat. She, she's Who pretty, produced that? Uh, it's Tom Davis. Uh, he, he's kind of like an OG guy. Um, he, I, I can't, I can't tell you anything about him. I don't know him personally, uh, but he posts occasionally on kingsnake.com. And if you, 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 you get on his waiting list or something, you might, you might get a snake. Uh, he only deals through email uh, and, and good luck. <laughs> uh, that's the, that's the best. Kaluver guys are the best. It, it, it took me. So I always wanted Northern Pines and I was hopefully getting something from Jay Jacoby. I did get some animals from Jay this year and, and could not talk about somebody more amazing uh, that produces pine snakes. Uh, I, I finally got my uh, leucistics uh, this year after a while of, of waiting to be able to get them. Uh, so I was hoping to get some Northerns from Jay. Uh, the guy that originated the Jersey Giant, which is three different localities from New Jersey, uh, happened to post New Jersey Giant uh northern pines for sale um and i, and I bought a pair from two different clutches I, I got this female from one clutch and then my male is more of a high black animal uh so so see she's she's got a lot more um diffused look to her especially on her sides blown out. and clean belly yeah it's a cool animal it's a big it's a big snake for being <laughs> a year and a half man that, that's a two that's a 2019 right like northern pine we looking at three feet? Have how many three or four feet on that? Animal? Oh no, I'm six foot. So she's at least uh, she's over five foot. <laughs> she's over insane. five foot for sure. Yeah, that's like, insane. So for all the fans out there, my hands are like all the inches they're 10 inches right so if i took my pinky and i put it here and i put it over there it's about about 10 inches right right like, mm -hmm, about, about 10 inches on my hands if i do that here it's there and then i've got all this rest of the snake <laughs> that's I, I, that that right there is how you do the math uh yeah so about about a, a, a probably amount of five Good, good size on her. Uh, yeah. Oh, what, what a species to work with. These things are literally this tame. Hatchlings, right? Like this is how they come out. They're just chilling. They just want to kind of wander around. Uh, they eat frozen pudding right off the rip. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, is it? Is it? I don't know if it's everyone else, but all these snakes just kind of hit my soft spot. To where, like, I need to buy all of these, especially something like that. Like, I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about those northerns for a while. I'm actually going to go over to Jay's in a little bit, probably in a couple weeks, and uh, I can't. I want everyone. Like, all these snakes kind of just hit that soft spot for me, like that colubrid soft spot. Whether it be the northerns, whether it be bajas, whether it be you know emery eye, all this stuff is just like black so, pines. Yeah, that's all a lot less diffusion see he has more pattern on the sides 
And then he has a lot more. He's coming into more black on the head and neck pattern. It's kind of cool. Kind of a little bit messier, but like it's neat because they're like they're all generated from the same three localities. Uh, but there's multiple clutches within those. So yeah, he's he's cool. They're, they're, and honestly, I would say that if anybody's watching this video, they're they're a little thin right now. It's a little cooler. I'm not feeding them as much, so don't you know don't freak out. Like I don't starve. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, they're also like four feet and like. You know, a year old, so. <laughs> I was. This is also okay. a year old animal. Year old animal that like started starts out eating like rat pups, which they, they, yeah. they're they're not Ruth Ven I big though. Uh, they're they're not nearly that big when they're born. Which is isn't that weird? Because because Ruth and I are the they're the smallest of yeah. the species, but they start out the biggest. Yeah, uh, were Ruth Ven I ever a subspecies? Do you know? I would imagine so, right? You would think that probably most of the pine snakes were we're lumped together at some point i don't i don't want to assume but i'm that would make sense it wouldn't be definitely it wouldn't be uh, well because the the southerns northerns and blacks are all subspecies of each other right they're all yes they're all kind of closely related did we talk about these guys last time oh man we're just getting everything out See, this is a three-year-old. Uh, yeah, we talked about these guys, the North Mexican pines. So, are those say? I always get confused about like uh, say I, Jan I, Jan I, or whatever the hell. So, so and these are Alice and all of those. <laughs> so this is Pichuophis uh, depi Jani. Uh, there you go. This is the North Mexican pine snake, and then Pichuophis depi depi is the South Mexican pine snake. Uh, and I think there's also a couple other names for the animal. Is and then Vertebralis would be the Cape Gopher. Yeah. So uh, Vertebralis used it used to be Pichiophis bimeris bimeris and Pichiophis bimeris Vertebralis, which was the so stupid the Baja Gopher snake and the Cape Baja Gopher snake. Ah. Oh, those are considered Pichiophis Vertebralis and Pichiophis bimeris. Now which, you better not get it twisted, people. I mean, geez. <laughs> bimeris are tough to find. Uh, uh, Vertebralis, a couple people were working with them. Uh, Noah's working with them. Uh, Tom Davis happens to be working with them. Uh, so anyways, yeah. So the, 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 the Depi Jani, this is a three-year-old, uh, male. And so, uh, Who this, produced that guy? Yeah, that's a great question. And three years ago, I should have wrote that down. <laughs> I, I don't remember, uh, who produced, uh, my male or my female, and, and, and these were like impulse buys at a show. And I wish I knew because his orange head just blows his pattern out. And it's like, why, why did I not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the female's got a little bit more purples in her and stuff. But yeah, these, these are cool. Anybody that wants to get into pitch of bull snakes are like badass. Like bull snakes are awesome. But there's a lot of, you know, kind of smaller animals. This animal could probably breed next year. I'm giving, I'm giving it, all my pine snakes are getting four years, right? Like, yeah. You're getting there. Yeah. Well, well, we'll be looking at these in 20, uh, 2022, which is fine. I'm not in a big rush, and I would hate for anything to happen to them. Uh, and, yeah, Nathan, these – I mean, come on, right? Like, get out. That's a, that's a real-life animal that you get to get to experience. So, yeah. Is there that, anything more tricky as far as the – like, why are the rare pine snakes the rare ones? Is it just because they're a little bit off the map as far as locality goes? I, I genuinely think it's because like they're like, okay. So, so the North Mexican pines, they're probably the easiest ones to breed. Cause I've heard you don't even cool them. 
Uh, I'll probably call mine just because it's like textbook practice in my, in my collection. Uh, but they're four or five years to be able to breed, right? So that's that little thing that- Ain't people, nobody got time for that. Uh, you mean I can't get it to size in a year and breed it? It's not going to be 1,600 grams. What are you talking about? It's like, you know, I, I truly believe that you could get a male corn snake to size and breed it in a year and you could feed, breed a female in two years. It's totally possible. Do not do it. I like the three-year rule. People do it all the time though, right? And and, and so- I think it's the time investment into pine snakes. Also, they, they can have tough attitudes as babies, and it's probably not as easy of a sell, right? Like corn snakes are usually pretty easy, and you have a million different colors. Uh, ball pythons, I don't even know are ball, ball pythons like fussy. I don't, I don't know. Do they do that? I don't, I don't know much about them. I've never, I've never had one. Not that I don't think they're beautiful. You've never, you've never had a ball at all. Never had a ball python. Yeah. That's amazing. You're like, uh, what it is, uh, you're a gold star herb keeper. I don't think I've ever had a python. Uh, now that's offensive. I mean, ball python, I get. No, no I, I've had boas uh, and, I, and I, I've, I, I've uh, bear, uh, paired and, and, and bred rosy boas, uh, but I've never, I've never had. Uh, and those are like colubrid boas anyway. Those yeah, like, they're North American boas. Like, get out. Uh, yeah, so, so it's crazy. That's a yearling. So, so yeah, you, you'd see the size of a yearling northern pine, and then the size of a three-year-old uh, southern, uh, a south or a north Mexican pine. I don't know. Are we still getting stuff out. You want to see something? You want to see like two more cool things? Or are we still doing this, Joe? Are we still going? Uh, we're still going. It's almost hour three on this, and we're still going. Game time. This is one of those podcasts where at the beginning I was like, hey, Chris, uh, I'm really tired. I had a long day at work. Um, you're going to have to get us going here. So we'll go Southern Pines. Three hours. I don't know if I talked about these last time. So this is Albino Southern Pine. And I have both color phases of the Albino Southern Pines. Uh, so there's a light phase and a dark phase. And nobody really knows why. Southern Pines have a lot of weird things going on with them in coloration. And they just kind of come out in different colors. I, I don't think anybody has really figured out. Also, when you put albino in these things, it's kind of like putting diffuse into an animal, right? Like it blows everything else out. When you start doing morphs with southern pines, so this is uh, Megutus, uh, they start doing kind of weird stuff. Um, so this is the albino, uh, albino variant. I'm not going to get out the darker colored albino because she's kind of an ass. Um, but I mean, it's essentially a candy corn or yeah. a candy cane corn snake. The, the yeah. So this animal is older than the northern pines uh, by about two months. <laughs> uh, and that's still a pretty good sized yearling snake, right? And, and, and again, we're, we're not talking about a fat, overweight, overly fed, you know, chunky boy. Like this is, <laughs> I, 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 I feed my snakes what I feel is, is, is a healthy amount. Uh, and, and, could probably, you know, get them much bigger, faster. Uh, you'll notice Southern Pines, this is something that I would say the big difference is, uh, Southern Pines are a lot less handleable. They don't really like, they don't really chill very much, right? They're kind of- Yeah, you can see that it's like, it doesn't wrap around your fingers. It's kind of like wiry, kind of weird. Kind of yeah. very much like my Ruth and I are oftentimes. I would say that the Southerns are probably a lot closer to Ruth and I uh, with the, the exception of mm, these don't always have attitude problems where I've heard Ruth and I kind of always are 
dicks, right? Like they're fine. I mean, I've gotten them now from different lines, and it seems yeah. like other people's are okay. <laughs> it's just yours. All right, let's go one more. Let's go one more. Yeah, and I think I think that's pretty straightforward as far as the Southern Pines actually butt up against, say, Louisiana's, and then you have the Black Pines. And it seems as though just that Southern range, they're all smaller in size, and they all seem just a little bit more uh, cantankerous, if you will. So you can kind of see the rate of growth in these animals. This is a... Let me get the correct date right. Uh, this is, I believe, a three-month-old uh, leucistic southern pine. So they're not completely patternless, and you can sometimes see a little pattern in their tail. It's almost like the black pine snakes. Uh, as black pine snakes, as babies, usually you'll see a little bit of pattern on them. But on the leucistics, uh, it's, it's sometimes you'll see like these little pink, faint hits of like dots on their tails. Uh, but for some reason, the leucistics in the southern pines are extremely good feeders. They have blue eyes too, which is really cool. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, so these animals are extremely good feeders and they're extremely tame. There's just something about these guys in this line. Uh, I believe Craig Trumbauer was the one that originally started breeding them. And that's going to be back in the late 80s or early 90s. And they came out of Florida. And, and I, I don't remember the exact county. But now there's only a handful of, people, handful of people working with them. Again, it's about a four-year snake. And I think that's one of the reasons people don't really work with them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, man, pretty cool. So, you, it's a pink snake. For those who don't know, like a lot of southern leucistic pines, I mean, you're yeah. looking at a pink and white snake. I mean, it's kind of neat. What more <laughs> can you ask for, really? With blue eyes, not bad. Yeah, it's they're they're not inherently a beautiful animal until you start looking at them. They have the keeled scales. They have these blue eyes. They have this pink tongue, and it's like whoa! And it's so crazy. This is a subspecies of the exact same thing as a black pine that has stark black eyes, a black tongue, black inside of its mouth, and a completely black animal. It's 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 crazy, man. So much variation in the Pitiophis genus, uh, and, and so much. Let's see, oh man, yeah, cool, cool, cool critters, man. I don't know. I get pumped. I I literally go on forever about these things. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's uh, pine snakes or something. You know, it's. I feel like it's. It may always be kind of that niche below your more popular things. Maybe the people who get a little bit more into it and are looking for something different. But, Cool animals, man. I hope some of these kind of like outer cusp colubrids, especially North American stuff, uh, kind of start gaining a little bit more in popularity. And I think that I think that that's happening. I mean, I think that's been happening over the last few years. I mean, when we first started in this, I'm sure it was mostly you're looking at mostly exotic species. But then even before that, it was all, you know, North American colubrids. Right. So, yeah, like, it's, maybe things are kind of waves and things. Yeah. Happen. Uh, Deadly tarantula girl, thanks for thanks for watching with us, and and yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully get to see you sometime in a show. It'd be awesome. Yeah, and they're actually uh, JD and Marita just moved to Odessa, so they're actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, that's about 100 hours away from Corpus Christi, but I mean, it's, it's <laughs> Texas. Yeah, me me and Austin were talking about on Snakes and Stogies about how he's in Texas and I'm in Texas, and I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. I was like, where are you at? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm here. And I was like, oh cool, that's like seven hours. 
words. Yeah, <laughs> see you never, yeah. but we're here. I, I think if we take, I think we talked about it. If we took like a tollway, we could do it in like six and a half or something, six hours. And we figure it out. You know? Eat in Austin or something. There's always good places to go. Austin's Austin's fun. Austin is it is and can be fun. Awesome, man. Well, well, that's yeah, man. almost three hours. We did it. I, I I literally I'm just like I could just keep pulling snakes out, bro. You don't even know this is this is what I do like every day. I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, years and years and years into this, and with the we didn't get to talk about geckos. We we even start talking about euboferids. We got to do a whole episode on euboferids, Joe. I mean, come on. Uh, and the whole project uh, reticulatus, how we got to go out to West Texas and catch coleonics reticulatus, so we can start breeding those, get those out in the hobby. Start, start, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be man. It's, the future is bright, right? The future is bright. And I'm one of those people that just like comes in my collection, starts pulling stuff out. It's just so pumped up, right? Like when it, you know, every day I try to go through almost every animal. Like we skip a few of them. Some of them are assholes. And, and, but I, but I, you know, you don't go through every baby, right? You don't, you don't go through everything every day. You just get pumped up about what you have. And, and, and if you're not, uh, take a step back and don't, and this is the kind of message I don't, I don't know who, who's still listening at three hours. Uh, if, if you're not completely stoked about it, if you're not pumped up about it, if, if you're not, if this isn't just like your passion, isn't your drive, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Take a step back, sell those animals. They are somebody else's passion too. And you're not, you're not, I, I've sold tons of beautiful, amazing animals that I've worked with. And it's not that I didn't love them. It, I, I just wanted somebody else to, else to appreciate them as much as I had. Right. So people need to keep that in mind. This, this hobby, you can have one snake and you could maybe not be an expert on that animal, but you can enjoy this hobby with just one animal, but you can also enjoy this hobby with a hundred animals and when you're enjoying it with 100 animals, if you have to get rid of 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, don't be embarrassed by that. Uh, don't don't let anybody take that away from you. Everybody has to manage their own lives and their own mental health first. Yeah, and I think that. Yeah, I mean, hopefully in the hobby, you have made good enough friends to where the animals that you really love, you can pass on to a friend and see them do it. So so Mike had mentioned Black Kings and. So, so Mike first produced those uh, yeah. black king snakes, and then he sold them to me for like, you know, a ridiculous price that doesn't make any sense. And then I sold them to Chris for the same price that doesn't make any sense. But it's just because Mike wanted to see me produce them, and then I produced them, and I I raised a few clutches, and then now Chris is going to produce them, and it's cool yeah. because no matter what, we know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Was it the best for me to keep those animals when I had so many animals and they're kind of kind of a handful now, like I'm on blood thinners and they like to bite my feet and shit and everything that moves. Not the best choice for me to yeah. have. But I mean, for Chris to have, I like watching yeah. them. I'll, I'll love watching you produce those and yeah. be like just as almost as happy as if I produced it myself. And I didn't have to go through all the shit. And, you know, they kind of came out of quarantine into my collection around the time of brumation. And then I had some issues. So so I'm going to give them just a year off, which I, I don't see that being an issue. They're but, only like 12 years old. So, I mean, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're, they're just chilling for a year. Uh, if there was a snake in this entire collection whose enclosure I was not going to open up after handling other snakes, it's them. 
I love that. <laughs> Those are the ones, dude. I don't know what it is. I've had, I've had, uh, I had Eastern Kings. I, I had a race of beautiful Eastern Kings. Ended up both being male, uh, and I gave my mail to, to to John Lasseter. He's got one of my mails, uh, and 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 gave the other one to a friend. Uh, those things were insane. They still are not as crazy as the animals. You told me that they will literally chase you out of their enclosure. They literally will. When I said that they bit my toes when I was feeding yeah. them, they jumped out of their tubs and would bite my feet. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the Lynn Hammer and I are, are, are really, really, really defensive. They're really hungry. The, the Eastern Black Kings, they're extremely hungry, which is so the opposite of the babies, which is so funny. Which are completely chill. Completely, you know, once I got those. It's weird. I, you know, I had the, the one of them was on live and one of them was on Frozen. The one that was on Frozen was always just a beast. The one that was on live, I did live for a long time. Live, 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 live. And then somehow you start like mimicking the movement of a pinky with the tongs, right? Like you have like the thought out pinky and you just have it on the little thing. And you you know, it's like left, 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 one up, right, right, right. Like <laughs> you're putting a code into a Super Nintendo, right? And and dude, she started jamming Frozen Doll and, and a, a good buddy of mine has that pair now. Cause you know, once I got the tree, I was like, ah, oh, I'll give this to a friend. And uh, that that's another thing. Don't be afraid to take a project and put it in somebody's hands and be like, yo, take it, do this. Show me what's up. Show me what it is. I just got grandchildren of some of my original wild caught cave geckos. How cool is that? Like I got out of cave geckos, be, you know, I, I had F twos. I'm sorry. I had F ones that I had produced. Uh, and, and I sold my wild cots. I sold, I sold my, my F ones. And then the guy that I sold my F ones to comes back and he's like, yo, here's an F two here, 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 here's geckos that are grandchildren from the original wild cot that you got back in the day. And so now I have those back in my collection and I'm just like, Whoa, like how, how cool is that? Like it's, it's, it's a, such a big circle of love, man. That's what we need to, that's what we need to promote, you know, just that. And thing. I have, I never, I never completely gave up on the Eastern black cake snakes. I have a female growing up that I feel like I'll probably, I'll probably buy a mail from you. If you produce yeah. something like I'll that. I'll send you a mail. I'll just send you one. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll send you all the ones that don't eat. They're yours. <laughs> uh, that's going to be most of the clutch. That's going to be awkward. Uh, yo, we got tricks down here. It's different in Texas. Total. <laughs> Hair's different. You know what I mean? We, we, we do things just a little, you know, we do it a little special. Uh, I, I, I am very blessed to, uh, you know, within like two miles of my house is one of the leading King snake kind of experts. So he, he's kind of any animals I've had that didn't eat, uh, and, and any, any issues I've had and brumation issues helping me out with the gray bandits and just, just general, I especially do with like wild caught animals, uh, how to properly, you know, we all talk about, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go on another one. Uh, we talk about bringing wild caught animals into collections. Well, what are you doing? You know, you're giving them panic here, you're giving them flagell, but what amounts are you giving them in? Uh, how are you administering that to them? What if you, what if you bring a wild caught animal, maybe not necessarily in your collection, you bring it in quarantine and I would suggest two different kinds of quarantine. Uh, you should have, if you're bringing wild caught animals into a collection, uh, its own spot for wild caught animals, because there's a good chance that that animal may go back to the wild. And the last thing you want to do is take something from your collection and send it out to, you know, Air Street, wherever you found that street rat snake. Uh, that's that's not what you want to do. Um, oh yeah, I've heard Brooke, I've heard Brooks. Brooks are, yeah. I've heard they could be kind of crazy. 
they're even worse as far as um when they when they actually get the mouse they wrap every single inch of the mouse <laughs> Just, up like yeah yeah so yeah. it's like imagine it on your finger or something brooks are <laughs> pretty equivalent they're pretty crazy yeah um but but when you start bringing in wild cost stuff and maybe there's there's a collection where you want you want to you establish something you want you want to bring something in and make it happen uh there's there's things there's steps you want to take and there's things you want to treat your entire collection with but there's like how much do you give something and i'm not the person that's going to tell you this because i i'm still new to a lot of this over the last like two years uh starting to deal with three years actually dealing with more wildcat stuff and probably closer to two years so there's 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 a lot out there man there's you know being in this for 20 years uh breeding for 20 years you know, breeding, breeding day geckos when I was 14, 15 years old, uh, and still now breeding geckos, I still learn stuff every day, every single day. It's amazing. And, and guess what? Even if you learn something, everything about one species, which oh, is yeah. impossible, there's yeah, three things for you to <laughs> yeah. play with. And that's just geckos, <laughs> right? And, and now you can move on to the next thing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it never stops. Well, just like yeah. this podcast, never ends. <laughs> Three hours. <laughs> Let's Thanks. do it, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for hanging out for three hours. On oh, anytime, man. Um, so if anyone wants to reach out to you, if anyone wants to find you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, you, you can hit up my Chris Payne shop, just my name on Facebook, uh, Badlands uh, Herpticulture on Facebook, uh, or Instagram is probably the easiest way to do it, Badlands Herpticulture. Uh, I wish I was a little bit more pragmatic about posting pictures online. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest fan into social media, but if you message me, I will respond. Uh, anybody just wants to chat, talk, ask questions, do it. Uh, anybody wants to see if I have anything available, uh, hit me up. I, I'm happy to talk with you regardless. You heard the man. Go hit him up. Uh, if you want to check me out, what I have going on, portcitypet.com, Port City Pythons Podcast on YouTube, Port City Pet Instagram, all that good stuff. You know where to find me. Come on. Let's do this thing uh, from the ground up podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please go check out focus cubed habitats. Chris, have you gotten an night? I mean, you're there in Texas. Have you been able to, uh, to gander on Ashley and Steven's enclosures? I have. They're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. But Joe, I'm about to piss myself. So I'm going to run off. I'll be right back. <laughs> it's more fun if you piss yourself on camera. Stop it. Stop thank it. You guys, thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you later. I hope you enjoyed this. I mean, it's been a while since I've had a friend on and we just rambled for three hours. It's excellent. I really hope you had as much fun as I did on this podcast. I still have this uh, Emery Ratsnake in my hand. He's been pretty chill. Thank you, Tony, for uh, taming this guy down. And thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next week.